Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. You know, one of the things you should learn about radio, or one, one thing I should learn about radio, don't have a handful of nuts before you go on the air. I mean, it's not a good idea. I'll tell you right now, especially with pumpkin seeds. <laughs> it was like really stupid. You would think I would know better by now at this particular point in my radio career, but no, 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 I still, I get hungry. <laughs> what are you going to do? So grab a snack, grab a handful of, uh, of my, my mixed nut, uh, nutritious mixture of, uh, you know, everything but peanuts, you know, all the usual stuff, the, 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 the pistachios, cashews, um, almonds. Um, what else is in there? The good stuff, you know, pumpkin seeds, uh, walnuts, all that kind of thing like that. But anyway, so so good part of your basic nutritional breakfast, you know, but don't have them right before you, before you go on the air, although I think I'm okay. Um, also, potentially, Sarge will call in again today. We, we talked a few days ago, and he wanted to talk about uh, hunting hogs in, I think, South Carolina. No, it was Georgia. Hunting hogs in Georgia. So the, I'm, I'm looking for um, a gun reporter for Friday. Possibly uh, David Chu, who was on uh, a few days ago. He's my high school friend. And he's actually instructing in firearms in Massachusetts, which I thought was such a contradiction. You know, only the fact that they, they were where our war for independence started uh, in Lexington, the, the town that um, I spent several of my formative years in and David grew up in. And what has happened to Massachusetts to become a bastion of socialism uh, and anti-gun fervor in a place that started, you know, where the revolution started. You know, you think that the, the original Minutemen was like, well, why do we do that? <laughs> If this is what you're going to do with our state, why, why, you know, what are we fighting for? You know, you became the, you know, Massachusetts became the, the monarchy, you know, that uh, all our folks in the, the war for independence fought against. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. Part of the reason I left Massachusetts, of course, then I went to California, which had this, basically the same problem and I had to leave there, too. Now I'm happily in Florida. So this is my, uh, I don't move often, but I move big. <laughs> so well, actually, that's not true. California moved a bunch of times, too. You know, you get yourself a decent car, you can move anywhere. And I had, uh, you know, the Toyota Tercel wagon, very boxy. I mean, I take that thing everywhere. You kept it for a bunch of years. Ran 420,000 miles. Not bad. Uh, yeah, the engine was rebuilt at about 360,000. So I got another 120 out of the, uh, um, is four, no, like it was three, no, 316,000. Yeah, 320. So I got another 100,000 miles out of the engine. So for a rebuild, I, you know, I'm happy with that. Some people don't get 100,000 miles out of a new engine. Anyway, point being. Um, the, that's, uh, that's just a lot of, you know, the, the incidental stuff that I think makes life uh, interesting. Um, as for the formal stuff, there's a lot going on uh, in the world today. You know, just, just before the show, I heard a, a couple things on One American News. One, uh, actually, no, I heard this last night. The Equal Rights Amendment was voted down. Um, I also read that um, and heard that there were three uh, soldiers who uh, were killed in a helicopter crash. And I'm thinking, you know, that, that just happened recently. And so I got a story on that. Um, and uh, probably our, our big mystery currently is the fact that uh, yet another person has been killed by uh, the, the, the Democrat, you know, assassination squad. Uh, well, I can't say that for sure. I just, it just looks like it. So let's, let's, let, me, let me clarify. It looks like another Hillary uh, thing, although it was done by the Biden family. Someone was supposed to testify uh, against the Bidens, and mysteriously, they're gone. You know, they'll probably show up with a suicide note, you know, five shots to the back of the head or something like that. Um, but uh, this, is, this is continues. So it's interesting. And I've said this before, that uh, as much as Rush Limbaugh, you know, was loud and vocal and, and anti-Clinton in, in, in every respect, and he should be because Clinton was a terrible president, 
uh, Obama was was far worse. And, you know, Clinton was bad uh, and unconstitutional, and Obama was was unconstitutional in virtually everything he did. Uh, I can't think of any legal action that uh, that Obama took the entire you know, eight years he was in office. And there's tons of illegal ones. And there's a long list. I, you know, I can look it up for you to, if anybody's interested in particulars. But, you know, nothing ever happened to Rush um, because he didn't really change anything. And I've said this before, the talk radio, talk radio is basically obsolete as a medium because it doesn't do anything. Um, you know, it's a, and now you've got podcasts and all that stuff. I mean, there's great information out there, but they don't do anything. They don't change anything. They don't, uh, they don't do anything that would uh, be considered activist um, they're just kind of there. And uh, that's, a, that's, you know, these days we can't afford that. that that's a, you know, it's a total waste of media. If you're restating the problems that everybody knows, and people send me, you know, videos and podcasts and things all the time, you have to listen to this. It's like, do you know the information? Well, yeah. Why do I have to listen to it then? <laughs> you know, um, has it been repeated before? Yeah. Did I say it on my show, you know, a year and a half ago? Uh, well, yeah. Okay, then why do I need to hear it? Why do I need to hear someone else repeating what I said a year and a half ago? That doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, we got a new person on uh, live chat. So live chat, new person, feel free to vent. Yes, go ahead, vent. You know, you can say whatever you want. If, if you're obscene, I'll just cancel it and not let you talk again. But uh, I don't care how controversial you are, you know, as long as you're not advocating, you know, extreme violence and uh, stuff like that uh, and ultimate hatred. I mean, real hatred, not, not the manufactured leftist stuff. You want to comment on my site? Go ahead, comment. That's what live chat's for. You want to call us? 215-383-3832. Uh, I have the whole show to myself today because both um, – my, my financial person, uh, Derek Park, uh, and my Believe the Journey uh, person, uh, Cowgirl Candace, are both out today. So if they were in on other Fridays. So it's like at least one day of the week I'm abandoned. <laughs> Friday is the day today. So this is the day that I'm, I'm on my own. Um, so what I did was I uh, went over a previous interview and cut out all the commercials, uh, a W.E.B.Y. classic with Jeff Metcalf. Jeff Metcalf really was a mentor of mine. There were a few of them uh, in talk radio. Brian Sussman. Uh, Dan Sorkin, a couple of other, I don't even know if Dan Sorkin's still alive. I hope so. But he was old then, you know, back, uh, you know, 20 years ago when I was listening to him. Um, so uh, he's really interesting. Dan Sorkin's an interesting character. He goes back to the early days of television. Um, he uh, lost uh, a leg uh, from like the knee down in a motorcycle accident. He, he formed a group called Stumps R Us, uh, musician, TV personality, uh, radio personality later in life. And I actually gave him some flying instruction. Uh, flight instruction lessons because he wanted to get back current in airplanes. I think we were flying twins at the time. And so I got to fly with, you know, a, a Hollywood TV legend, which is really kind of cool. So we became friends. And then we kind of lost touch as he, I guess, retired from media and I moved out here to Florida. So I'm, I'm going to see if I can uh, uh, probably get back in touch with him. That'd be kind of cool. But as to other folks, Brian Sussman, you know, I've tried to reach him. He's uh, still the talk show host. Uh, he's like the only conservative talk show host in San Francisco, which is why I didn't get a job there. You know, that can be only one. <laughs> You know, the quickening and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, anyway, so, uh, the, you know, San Francisco conservatives are like, like the quickening. <laughs> there can be only one. <laughs> That's all they allow there. So I moved to Florida, and here we are. Um, but uh, but uh, Jeff, though, Jeff was on uh, for, for several years on uh, KSFO, and eventually he was let go for uh, whatever reason. I don't know. We have to talk to uh, um, the, the, the producer, the owner, the uh, – oh, I forgot his name, too. Um, it's uh, – oh, it's uh, – oh, there's another person uh, that I've forgotten their name, too. Uh, a couple of people. One, there was a great woman who was a talk show host, uh, extreme advocate, and she was married to the, the guy that owns the station. And I think still is, as far as I know. I don't think of the names in a bit. I didn't plan to talk about them. That's why I don't have them here right in front of me. Um, Melanie Morgan, that's what her name was. And uh, what was uh, Jack Swanson? Jack Swanson was the owner of the station. Uh, and he, he was married to Melanie Morgan. 
who uh, is just like drop dead gorgeous. I mean, she's amazing. But she also one of the one of the people that inspired me at Action Radio too, because she used to lead protests right from the radio. And she was a major force in getting uh, Gray Davis recalled over MTBE, metal tertiary butyl ethanol, which is this additive they put in California gasoline, which was lethal. It was terrible. It was a horrible chemical. It got in the food, got in the groundwater, got in everywhere. And so she was the leading forces getting rid of him. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. So a lot of what happens on Action Radio, we can credit to Melanie Morgan uh, and, and Jack Swanson for, for letting her do what she did. Um, Michael Savage, Dr. Savage is another person. Uh, who I learned from. Uh, he used to do uh, all kinds of government protests. He was the one that was uh, lobbying heavily for and advocating uh, the affirmative action thing. So you can't have affirmative action in college hiring. It's discriminatory the way that California was doing it. Uh, so that was a good thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. In fact, uh, this is what happens when you eat a bunch of uh, pumpkin seeds before going on. I'll be right back. Oh, excuse me. I think I need a, um, a water moment. Who's our senator that took the water moment? <laughs> Forgot who it is now. I'll, I'll think of it in a little bit. I'm not good with names. Can you tell? So oh, my callers, uh, my, my live chat people, they come, they go. That's okay. I'm used to it. Anyway, so, uh, so all these folks, uh, Michael Savage, another one too was uh, Jim Eason, E-A-S-O-N, Jim Eason. Uh, and I have to check and see if he's still alive because he was old, you know, when I was in my 20s. Uh, in, in San Francisco, and Jim Eason used to camp out in, uh, in Sacramento, excuse me, Sacramento during the budget hearings. And he had what he called the drip campaign, DRIP. In other words, don't return incumbent politicians. He said, drip them. So his goal was to get out anybody from office who'd been in office before. And so he hated incumbents because he figured at that point they were too corrupt. We want new people in. So he, was, he was like the ultimate term limit person. His term limit was very simple one. <laughs> You know, so all these people contributed to to what's happening at Action Radio. So Melanie Morgan, uh, Michael Savage, uh, Jim Eason, uh, all these different folks, and Jeff Metcalf. Um, you know, all all played a part in what we're doing here today. So I should give credit where credit is due. You know, but what's original to me, of course, is the Citizen Legislature um, combining that with a radio show. So, you know, like everything else, you stand on the shoulders of giants and you uh, push the bar up a little higher. And the next person has to come and uh, crawl up on top of my shoulders and push the bar even higher. <clears throat> I wonder what the next thing's going to be. That, <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. That would be fascinating to find out. You know, I think I've got a little bit of a cold or something coming on. Who knows? You know, it's a uh, weather change. Weather change brings on uh, uh, interesting stuff. I don't, uh, my mute button, I've got on my microphone, but if I, use, if I use my mic mute button on my microphone too often, um, it, uh, it breaks. <laughs> and then it either stays off all the time or on all the time. My last microphone stayed off, and it just wouldn't work anymore. Uh, if I use the computer mute button, then chances are I might shut off the whole show if I act in haste and push the wrong thing. So, you know, I just, anyway, so little, little glitches along the way. All right, let's get started talking about some of the issues that are going here. And one of the more fascinating ones to me is the Equal Rights Amendment, mostly because this would benefit men. And men don't seem to realize this. I don't know why. Probably because all they talk about is equal rights for women. Uh, but it's really not. And if you look at it, look at society and look at what's going on, men would be huge beneficiaries. So I would vote for it. Now, it's actually already covered in the 14th Amendment. You know, 14th Amendment guarantees the equal protection of laws. We get our privileges and immunities because we're citizens. You know, we're immune from things like presumption of guilt and it's presumption of innocence. Uh, our, our privilege of being citizenship is we get the protection of the Constitution. You know, one of the things of not being a citizen is you don't get the protection of the Constitution. You know, except in, in limited areas, you know, permanent residents, immigrants, you know, they can't vote and they can't serve on a jury. 
So they're not, they're not full citizens, so, but they get partial protection because they've been awarded permanent resident status. Of course, illegal aliens have no status in the Constitution, none. Uh, anybody that says illegal aliens have rights doesn't know what they're talking about. It's just that simple. Because the Constitution says right in the beginning, we the people of the United States. It doesn't just say we the people, comma. It says we the people of the United States, comma. And that's what it includes. The Constitution of the United States is for we the people of the United States, pure and simple. So if you ain't a citizen, you know, the Constitution at best would have limited coverage for you, um, but uh, certainly uh, not full rights. And, of course, if you're an illegal alien, you have no representation in this country whatsoever because you legally can't be here. And you can't have rights in place you don't know, to be in. All right, back to the Equal Rights Amendment. So I, I, uh, I found – actually, I had to go to Wikipedia to actually get the text because everybody else talks about the right, but they don't actually tell you what it says. So let me tell you what it says. By the way, this is voted down by the Senate, mostly by Republicans. Now, it takes two-thirds to pass. Now, I think all votes should take two-thirds to pass, quite honestly. To, 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 get a, to ratify the Constitution uh, – to, to, no, excuse me, to put – to amend – slow down, Greg. Breathe deep. To amend the Constitution requires two-thirds of the Congress and three-quarters of the states. Why more states? Because the states are more important. The states ratified the Constitution, so more states have to approve it. It's just that simple. Um, and so, that, I mean, I don't know the actual reason, but that's, that's the one that makes the most sense to me. So two-thirds of the Senate, three-quarters of the states. So the uh, Equal Rights Amendment got originally three uh, two-thirds of the Congress, uh, and then went to the states, and it didn't get three-quarters of the states, so it you know, ran out of time, and it died. Um, this one, this time they brought it back. It didn't even get two-thirds of the, of the Senate. And I think it, I don't know if it goes to the Senate first, the House, or wherever the resolution is. But you didn't hear about it in the news. So obviously there wasn't a, that big a lobbying effort. But men's groups and fathers' rights groups, you guys missed out big time. Because this would protect men and all those people that, that uh, think the, civil serv- uh, the selective service, the draft, should be for women too, as I do. You know, then uh, – then you, you totally missed out on that. And the fact that, that men are discriminated against, you know, when they don't register for selective service, they don't get their college loans, they don't get all kinds of things. Well, that's sex discrimination. You can't have that. You know, if you have more women in college, you know, who are, because they're getting, you know, more scholarships to, or getting, you know, scholarships specifically for women, you know, then that's, that's illegal. That would be illegal under the Equal Rights Amendment. You know, any kind of sex discrimination, uh, uh, services, government service. Women get far more government services, especially single mothers, get far more government services than single fathers. That would be illegal under the Equal Rights Amendment. Okay. So men, you just, you know, men that are, are, that are victims of, of uh, domestic violence from women. I mean, men are laughed at when they go to police stations. You know, but look, anybody can be a victim of domestic violence. Anybody, you know. A five-foot woman can still use a weapon, you know, of any kind, you know, household object or a gun or a baseball bat against a six-foot-five man. You know, it's not always a question of strength. And so the idea that, that men, you know, can't uh, get the same treatment under law for, for domestic violence against women and, and, you know, get a word of the kids and the child support and things like that is absolutely absurd. Now, don't get me started on trans because <laughs> that's, that's not a sex. Now, the interesting – well, actually, get me started on that. Now that I think about it, uh, is, let, let me read what it says. It says equal rights, uh, equality of rights. It doesn't say equity, by the way. It does not say equity. So there's no, there's no gender, there's no gender you know, matching here. So the Equal Rights Amendment is actually pretty good. Equality of rights under the law – this is Section 1. Equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged in the, by the United States or by any state on account of sex. Notice that it doesn't say gender. See, this is, this is where the left screwed up. <laughs> they, they should have changed to gender. So it says sex. So, so there's only two sexes, male and female, right? So this totally, totally, you know, uh, excludes as it should, genders. 
So if you're, uh, you know, if you're a, a non-binary, of course, everybody's binary, all right? Or I despise the term cisgender because it sounds too much like sissy. So I am not cisgender. I'm male. Okay, let's get that straight. You, call it, you start using words like cisgender around me, we're going to have a problem, okay? I despise that word. Uh, anyway, so, and the whole idea of trans. And we've had trans folks on the show. They're welcome on the show. You know, and I want to talk about it, but I have a definite position on folks who are trans. It is not a civil right. If you want to alter your body chemically, surgically, as a consenting adult, that's your choice. That's none of my business. But it's not a civil right. You don't, you don't get a civil right for it. You know, it's, it's like, uh, and I was thinking about this this morning. You know, it's kind of like an extension of cosmetic surgery. So what's the difference between cosmetic surgery and, um, you know, trans surgery? I mean, it really is an extension of it, right? So if, and people, what's the difference between, you know, puberty, horm, or not puberty, but uh, hormone changers as an adult and Botox? You know, Botox is a neurotoxin. In, in, in the right quantities, it would kill you. If you get in your food, you're dead, <laughs> okay? So if people can take Botox to remove their wrinkles, if people can have all kinds of cosmetic surgery, why can't they have trans surgery? Of course you can, as a consenting adult. But that does not make you a civil rights group, okay? So that's where I come down on that. So if you, what you do as an individual is fine, but nobody gets group rights. But this is fascinating to me. I've got Pianca in the line here, too. I just want to kind of uh, uh, go through a couple of these things here. But, yeah, that's it. Equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. And I'm telling you, men, you missed out big time by not, uh, by not pushing this. All right, let's get Pianca and see what he says. And here we go. Good morning, sir. Oh, good morning. Welcome to Friday, our Friday free-for-all. Yeah, I just... Tune in and listen to some expert, thorough, and analytical commentary. So keep on. Oh, I thought you, I, I thought you were talking about some other show. <laughs> and, then, and then I tuned in to you, Greg. <laughs> well, think about it. Let's talk about the Equal Rights Amendment uh, because this has been around several times. Uh, and I think that there's some, some interesting points that we, we should go over. It says, here's section one, equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. And then it says the Congress shall have the power to enforce by appropriate legislation the provisions of this article. Well, what about the states? It's like they miss. How can the Congress, so the Congress is going to enforce upon the states? There's a Tenth Amendment issue right there. But anyway, let's just talk about section one. Equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. Your view, sir? Well, yeah, that's where it's supposed to be. And by the way, it was Phyllis Flatley that killed the ERA movement. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was around the quarter years. She was a tremendous lady. She passed away. But, yeah, uh, yeah, actually, we right. had, um, you know, Jonathan Mosley, his mother, I think, used to work with Phyllis Flatley fairly closely, if I remember. Because his mother was an mm-hmm. avid. We'll talk to Jonathan. That's Jonathan. But I could be wrong, but I don't think so. But touch Jonathan on Monday. Uh, that might be interesting. But why, if I remember Phyllis Schlaff, do you remember her arguments were against it? Well, back then, I didn't pay too much attention to it, <clears throat> but I know of her work. I know that the, the time frame ran out, and I think Carter extended it for some reason or another. But uh, it, Well, you could have done that without Congress. He couldn't have done that without Congress. I remember it ran out of time. And I remember there were not uh, – what, what, what are three-quarters of the states? Let's, let me see what three-quarters of 50 is. You know, math being not my, my, my main – 38? Okay, so let's just let's go. 
you know, 50 uh, times 0.75 is 37.5. Yeah, since you can't have half state, it would be 38. You're right. Okay, makes sense. So they didn't get 38 states. I don't know how many they got. They got a lot of states. But if I remember... I don't know how many states they had. It was a lot of them, but I don't remember. It wasn't enough. But these issues come, and then they die, then they... Those names just move uh, to a different location, come back again. So hmm. you're absolutely right. I don't. I don't understand why come they have such a difficult time following the letter of the Constitution. Well, the the Fourteenth Amendment already covers this. You know, the equal protection of the laws applies to men and women. In other words, you cannot reward something to women in law that you don't give to men, and you cannot reward something to men in law that you don't give to women. I mean, that's just, that's just right there in the 14th Amendment. That's, we've had that since 1860, what, five? Let me read it here. I'm not being good at memorizing. Someone accused me of, uh, the other day of, you know, you've got to use the exact words. You know, go to the original sources. Well, I do. So here I am once again. Yeah, I can't remember it. You know, I'm terrible. It says, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, that means U.S. citizens, are citizens of the United States and the state wherein they reside. In other words, we're all dual citizens. No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. Privileges, we talked about that. You know, you, the privilege is that you're, you're covered by the Constitution. I'm not sure what they mean by privileges. Uh, immunities are, you know, you can't be charged. You know, your, your, your presumption is your innocence will prove guilty. That would be an immunity, I think. So I'm not sure exactly what that part means. The part that I, I focus on is nor shall any state deprive any, oh, no, not this is the one. Nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. And that's what they say about the states. That's actually the provision that, that makes the, the Bill of Rights applicable to the states, but also applies to the federal government, too. So no person can be denied the equal protection of the laws. So how come uh, there, there are more scholarships for women in college? How come women don't have to register for selective service? How come the child support services for women are huge compared to the services for guys? How come the, the presumption, you know, that if a guy goes to the police and says, you know, uh, I have domestic uh, violence uh, claim against a woman, they laugh at him rather than treat it as a legitimate case. Whereas if it was a woman, you know, she'd get entirely different treatment. Uh, family court. Uh, children are overwhelmingly awarded to women. You know, that's the assumption that, that all of these things go against the Equal Rights Amendment because they're not treating men as equals. So it says very clearly, equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged in the United States or by any state on account of sex. So any law that, that favors either men or women over either men or women, it would be unconstitutional about this, under this. And I don't see what the problem is. Even though the 14th Amendment says so, uh, it's not as forced as much as this could be. But that's the biggest difference in, in, uh, in our country and society and the world is between men and women. You know, uh, and so I don't mind this extra language in the Constitution because it's not uh, it's not creating anything new. It's not creating a new right that doesn't already exist. It's just really stating it properly and can be used uh, in the Supreme Court, in the state courts. Uh, it can be used by state legislatures, local governments, Congress. They can all use this and say, look, you can't make this law favoring this group or, or these people. Because of the Equal Rights Amendment. So I don't have a problem with it. I would have voted for it, quite honestly. Yeah. Well, well then that means that the Asian hate crime bill is, uh, is illegal. Why is that? Because you already have, if they're citizens, they already have those protections, right? 
Well, the Asian hate crime bill is stupid. That's just political. But it's already covered by the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. Everybody gets the equal protection. So because of the yes, 14th Amendment, so and, and this, the 14th Amendment would also cover this amendment too. So in other words, if someone says we want special rights for women or special rights for men, uh, it wouldn't be able to happen because the 14th Amendment already says they're biggest equal protection. They don't get special protection. Uh, this is why when we talk about trans altered people, that's not a civil rights group. You've chosen to alter your body, which you have a right to do as a consenting adult, not a child, but as an adult, you have the right to do that. But that doesn't make you a civil rights group any more than people who have had cosmetic surgery are a civil rights group. You know, body altering, people do it all the time, tattoos to to, uh, uh, body piercings to makeup. People alter their body constantly. That's okay. It's your choice. But you don't get special privileges because of it. Congress Uh tried to enact laws that is putting the Constitution beneath Hmm. And they like to practice that habit, which is totally wrong. Can you give me an example? I'd just be curious. Well, if their protection is already in the 14th Amendment, why do we have to come up with some verbiage say this is the Asian anti-hate legislation? Oh, exactly. No, that's that should not that should not go anywhere. I mean, Congress should throw that out. And but people don't want to argue. The people that that want to do it are doing it for political reasons to win favor with Asians. Uh, the people that would speak against it don't want to speak against it because they think they'd be labeled racist. So for all kinds of, of this is why I don't become in the legislature. I don't have to deal with that kind of stupidity. I don't have the time. I've got much more important stuff to do, like writing amendments, you know, to take away the power of Congress to borrow money, which is far more important than wasting my time with an Asian hate bill for something that's already covered by the 14th Amendment and a bunch of other statutes against assault, murder, you know, uh, different kinds of things like that, discrimination. All those things are already covered in law. I don't have to waste my time with it. That's the biggest problem. That's probably the biggest reason I don't run for Congress is that the amount of time I'd have to waste fundraising and in meetings with stupid people, I have to listen to Democrats all day. I, I go crazy. I don't have the time for that. I get much more important stuff to do, like get action radio going. Let me talk about the, the, the trans thing again and gender, because gender isn't mentioned in this. So I think the left kind of blew it. <laughs> I don't think they realize this. It says very clearly, that equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any state on account of sex. Well, they didn't say gender. They said sex. And there's only two sexes, male and female. So this completely eliminates all of the gender machinations, creations, inventions, you know, non-binary, my pronouns are not what they are. You know, but the personal pronouns are very simple. I and me. Those are the personal pronouns. That's all you get. You know, I think what's what's uh, second person? Uh, I think third is like he and she, they. But those are third-person pronouns. Those are not first-person pronouns. So the only pronouns that people have are I and me. <laughs> you know, everything else is second and third. I think that's interesting. But you notice it said on account of sex. So if there are only two sexes, male and female, this really would have eliminated any, uh, any, any reference to gender in law because it's just not there. This is on account of sex, not on account of gender. I think they just missed an opportunity. Yeah, sex is what was assigned to you at birth. I mean, people just not assigned. No, you. no, it wasn't assigned. It's, it sounds like the doctors say, "Okay, you're you're we've we've assigned you that you're male." That's that's actually a language that trips people up. You're not assigned at birth. You're mm-hmm. created at birth, or you're when you're created, you're created male or female. You're not assigned. Well, when they record, I, know, I know what you mean though. When they, yeah. yeah, when it's 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 a recording. You either have M or else. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
you know, and these idiots that come along and say that, well, the, uh, your particular anatomy doesn't define who you are. Yes, it does. <laughs> you know, now, but, but within the range of male and female, there are infinitely you know, masculine and feminine men and infinitely masculine and feminine women. That's okay. But you're still men and women, physically, anatomically, genetically, created by God. And you can't change that. That's just the way it is. So, you know, people are not dealing in reality. But I just find this fascinating. So what do you think of some of the things that, um, uh, that men lost out on? Let's talk about selective service. Only men register for selective service. Why is that? That's, that's unconstitutional, too. You can't have men signing up for the draft and not women. Well, the point there is back during the years ago when the standards uh-huh. of uh, qualifying was high, the women just could not because of their bodily and physical limitation. But you can still draft women. So say you draft a woman and you have a different, yeah. different physical standard, right? Which I understand. Yeah. Certain, yeah, well, you understand. You, you couldn't put them in certain uh, area of combat because of physical limitation. Well, um, you can put a lot of men in those things there, too. If you had some dorky guy that had no muscles but uh, was drafted, what are you going to do then? You know, if they're accepted for certain. Yeah, we shouldn't have to. Yeah. yeah, and you, you really shouldn't have to get into description of what those physical limitations is because when you do, mm-hmm. the people that you're trying to convince always come up with a, well, mm-hmm. what about? And I remember. Well, so, no, it's just physical limitation, which should be uh, quite obvious that the difference between male and female. Mm-hmm. But there's no reason for women not to be drafted because only about 10% of those in the military actually engage in combat. And that's only when we as a nation actually engage in combat. So how many people in the military are engaged in combat right now? What, Sudan? <laughs> I think Somalia, you know, uh, Ukraine. It's very few. We've got a multi-million person military. How many are engaged in combat? So most of the jobs, 90% plus of the jobs in the military are non-combat jobs. So we're I talking about drafting you, for the military, do. not drafting for combat. There's a big difference. And people think you're drafting for combat. You're not. You know, people who get drafted serve in the band. <laughs> you know, probably, I would have probably done that. Because it's a good tuba player. Yeah, like that, so it, women mm-hmm. should women can be drafted. So you look at other countries, the INF, Israeli mm-hmm. National Defense, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's great things that they can. How about do. spies? Women make great spies because guys like women. They can make so, good. They can make good assassins. You know, they're good at absolutely. Uh, their body is good for things in uh, flying supersonic jets that. Uh, mm-hmm. That men can't do because of, well, uh, because well, how, of about, uh, how about G forces? How about women's bodies and G forces? Women have a lower center of gravity, uh, less body mass, uh, and so I would think that women, because a lot of times they pick shorter guys for fighter jets because they fit, you know. But I think the G forces are different on shorter people. If you're taller, the blood can you know travel further out of your head. So me at six one, you know, would have a, a disadvantage. They probably stick me if if I had perfect vision. I probably wouldn't stuck in a in a cargo plane, which actually would have been fine with me. I just wanted to fly. The fact that they weren't going to even consider me for flight uh, for flight service the, that's why you know I didn't do it because uh, I wanted to fly. And I still do, by the way. <laughs> that hasn't changed. Um, but uh, the difference was at least I got you know almost three thousand hours, um, two thousand of which was instructing. So that was that was kind of fun. I want to get back well, to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on the topic of women being drafted, right? It's perfectly. Uh, it's logical. It's a logical thing that should be done. Mm-hmm. So if we had the Equal Rights Amendment, then you could not have selective service only for men. That would be unconstitutional. 
See, the, the biggest, this is the thing. that They think women are the biggest beneficiaries of this. It's not true. Men would have been the biggest beneficiaries of the Equal Rights Amendment, especially now that we have, you know, women have the vote. Uh, women have equality throughout the entire you know, spectrum of laws. Uh, you, there is no law that, that discriminates against women, saying women cannot do you know, X. So equality is already there. But what's not there is equality for men, for things like selective service. You know, and people think that because – immediately they think combat. Well, do you want women coming home in body bags? No, but I don't want anybody coming home in body bags. You know, I don't want us being in stupid places. You know, if we have to go and people have to die you know, to preserve our nation, I understand that. And there are people willing to do that. And God bless them. But I don't want people dying for stupid reasons. I don't want people you know, get, you know, getting killed or crippled you know, to, uh, for some globalist policy or because the permanent war class in Washington you know, wants to uh, you know, enhance their, their, uh, their, their financial portfolio. That's usually why people are saying, well, that's what we're doing in Ukraine. You know, it's a money laundering bank and a, and a bioweapons, you know, frontier. And as Josie would tell us, child trafficking. But, you know, I mean, people don't, I don't want people, I don't want anybody drafted for that, men or women. That's just stupid. But the idea, again, 90% of the combat, of the, the military jobs are non-combat. You've got accountants, you've got band members, you've got janitors, you've got teachers, you've got bus drivers, you know, you've got mechanics, you've got tons of people all throughout the military doing all kinds of jobs that are absolutely essential, but they're not combat. Well, maybe if you're on an aircraft carrier, <laughs> that may be different. But uh, they're obsolete anyway, but that's another story. All right, family court. How many men are denied um, – what's, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Uh, being awarded the children, even if they're, they're by far the more fit parent, which happens you know, quite a bit, uh, simply because they're men. Well, that would be outlawed. Family court would not be able to discriminate against men uh, in awarding children and child support. You know, women would have to pay the equal child support they would pay if they were men to the other parent. That would be huge. Pianchi? I agree with you. It's something that mm-hmm. needs to have. I yeah. hear people complain about. Mm-hmm. Something that needs to See, be. But, uh, but the, where were the father's rights groups? Those idiots. They, would, they should have been all over this. They should have been all, all over this for the last 20 years or 30 years. Ever since men were discriminated against in family court, ever since court was created, it's been more against men. Now, I know a lot of women personally who've been discriminated against. I know women that have had their children stolen at gunpoint by Child Protective Services and awarded to the abusive father. I know of cases like that. Okay? Some of them have been on the show. So, so that happens. That's a whole different issue. But what I'm saying is there is a, a preponderance of awards of children and money to women over men simply because they are women and men. And that would be unconstitutional under the Equal Rights Amendment. Guys, you screwed up. <laughs> you know, um, college scholarships, family court, child support, services. How many services are there for men uh, as single fathers compared to women as single mothers? Can men get Section 8 for them and their kids? Can men get uh, suicide hotline and uh, battered men's shelters and uh, WIC you know, and food stamps and things like that? Do men get equal treatment for welfare as women? I bet you it's no. I've never been honest, so I don't know. What do you think? Sounds great. <laughs> you just I can't oh, speak very much on that issue of child support. Yeah. I've never had that experience. Yeah, I did. Um, but I, yeah, but that's, that's why I say tried marriage once can't recommend it. 
Yeah. What else we got here? Uh, I think that's basically on on, um, on the Equal Rights Amendment. All right. I've got uh, anything else you want to mention on that? Because we have many more topics. Going once, going twice. Yeah, carry on. Oh. Okay. So the next thing I have is this is another what looks like uh, we used to talk about the the Clinton suicides. In other words, Hillary Clinton. You know, when when somebody was going to go up against her or, or, or provide evidence in a trial. Uh, against uh, Hillary or Bill Clinton, they mysteriously disappeared and found out later they had, you know, three shots to the back of the head and, and a suicide note. And we're all like, uh huh? There's like 65 people. Well, I think we may have another one. So Kyle Becker, who's a former um, uh, producer at Fox News, it's like all the good people are former Fox News people. I find that interesting. Uh, this is just out. This is out today. Whistleblower who was planning to reveal explosive information on Biden family corruption has disappeared. <laughs> what a surprise. The DOJ had this information in March of 2019 and did nothing, of course. Uh, the whistleblower's lawyer said earlier, okay, so it's Dr. Gal Luft, that's G-A-L-L-U-F-T, uh, the co-director of the Washington-based Institute for the Analysis of Global Security, was preparing to reveal explosive information about a Biden family international corruption scandal. Of course, there are so many. Now he has suddenly gone missing under mysterious circumstances after a Larnaca court, L-A-R-N-A-C-A, court has released him on bail, uh, the Cyprus Mail reported. Well, Cyprus, that's, that's the island of Cyprus in the Mediterranean. What are they doing there? Anyway, Luft uh, was an advisor to uh, CEFC, China Energy. Oh, China had him killed. <laughs> or China ordered the Biden have him killed. Now, it's, now it gets interesting, right? Uh, which paid, oh, here we go. Luft was an advisor to CEFC, China Energy, which paid Hunter Biden around $5 million in 2017 alone. Wouldn't you want to audit their tax returns? That must be fascinating. Luft said that he was arrested on bogus weapons trafficking charges in January, claiming that it was an attempt to silence him. Yep, sounds about right. Quote, I have been arrested in Cyprus on a politically motivated extradition request by the U.S. The U.S. claiming I'm an arms dealer. It would be funny if it weren't tragic. I've never been an arms dealer. I haven't either, by the way, if you're listening FBI, KGB. Quote, DOJ is trying to bury me to protect Joe, Jim, and Hunter Biden. See, we never hear about Jim Biden. So who's Jim Biden? You know, have you ever heard of uh, uh, Joe's brother, Jim? I don't know if they're twins or, or whatever, but uh, he's like the, the, the quiet Biden. You know, Joe's out there being, uh, you know, illegally put in the White House. Hunter Biden's on crack. And Jim Biden is just kind of out there. Do you know anything about Jim Biden? Going once, going twice. What you mm. say? <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'll just keep going. <laughs> I was just asking if you know anything about, about Jim Biden. Well, Jim Biden. You know the 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 unheard from Biden. That's okay. Let me let me press on here. Uh, he says. Uh, then he says. Then then Gal Luft says, "Shall I name names?" Well, my cross answer is yes. You should. Then it says Luft's lawyer said that he had given the FBI information during the Trump administration on the Bidens, which he planned to submit in a letter to Congress. He also learned that someone was selling sealed U.S. law enforcement information to Chinese individuals. Well, pick somebody in the Biden family for that. Quote, Dr. Luft is a whistleblower. Luft attorney Robert Henock told the Washington Free Beacon. He asserts that prosecutors decided against pursuing Luft's information, quote, and are instead targeting him with chumped up and false charges. Yeah, that's usually what happens to whistleblowers. That's why there's a Whistleblower Protection Act, because the people that the whistleblowers are blowing the whistle on invariably try to have them fired or worse. 
Quote, this, informa- this unfortunately appears to be a part of an attempt to discredit a witness with critical information about an ongoing congressional and DOJ investigation. Let's start right there. Pianchi, you and I have talked about the fact that just because something is, quote, an ongoing investigation does not exempt them from congressional oversight. And yet every time uh, it's like the get out of jail free card. Anytime anybody, you know, before Congress says, well, that's part of an ongoing investigation, they go, oh, well, OK, fine. I, I guess I can't ask you about that. You know, if I was in Congress, that's the first thing I'd say is I don't care. I said, we're going to give you some oversight for your ongoing investigation. What the hell are you doing? And who are you doing it to? Well, I can't tell you. Yes, you can. This is what oversight's about. You have to tell us or you're going to be in contempt of Congress. That's what they should say, but they don't because they're geldings. The geldings never say what they're supposed to say. Well, with rare exceptions. Back to you, Bianchi. Or I'll keep jamming on here. <laughs> yes, that's a good argument. Keep jamming. Okay. Article says the attorney claimed that Yi Jianming founder and chairman of CEFC USA, in other words, the Chinese energy company USA, great. A nonprofit, oh, wait a minute, it says a nonprofit. Well, that means it gets special, special treatment. Created by China Energy Fund Committee. Well, obviously, they're part of the CCP, Chinese Communist Party. So the fact they're a nonprofit is hysterical. Then it says, told looked that Hunter Biden had an informant in the FBI. Oh, I'm sure he does. You know, it's a yay. Uh, Ye Jianming, founder and chairman of the reportedly told Luft that Hunter Biden had an, inf- oh, I think they repeated their uh, thing here, who provided sealed law enforcement information known as One Eye. Never heard of that. Ye and his associates allegedly paid lots of money to provide sealed law enforcement information. Well, isn't this interesting? All right, it says, according to Luft, uh, once we get past the, the share button, according to Luft, he tried to inform the Department of Justice in 2019 that Chinese state controlled energy company CEFC had paid $100,000 a month, this is probably on top of the $85,000 from Burisma, uh, to Hunter Biden and $55,000 to Joe's brother Jim, the mystery Biden, right? In exchange for their FBI connections and use of the Biden name to promote China's Belt and Road Initiative around the world. See, Joe is so dirty. I mean, unbelievably dirty. The whole family is, except for maybe Ashley, the, the daughter who lost her diary. But as far as the rest of them go, Hunter, um, I wonder what happened, you know, I wonder if Bo Biden was in on this. He, he was serving in the military, so he seemed like a pretty decent person. But uh, Joe, brother Jim, and son Hunter are as corrupt as it gets. Anyway, article says Luft learned about his, this scheme through his own relationship with Hunter's Chinese business partners, Patrick Ho and Yi Jianming, the chairman of CEFC. From 2015 to 2018, Luft organized international energy conferences in partnership with Ho's think tank, the nonprofit China Energy Fund Committee, a front organization for Yi's, CEFC, which is the Chinese Energy whatever. Yi confided to Luft that Hunter had an informant in the FBI or formerly of the Bureau, extremely well-placed, who they paid lots of money to provide sealed law enforcement information. So in other words, it looks, and I'm getting a little confused by this, so I'm going to hold it up here. It looks like that um, the DOJ, I don't know if they was was providing the Bidens information on what the DOJ was doing to investigate the Bidens, is what I'm guessing, and the Chinese. So there were leakers in the Department of Justice providing all kinds of stuff to the people that were being investigated by the Department of Justice, both Chinese and the Bidens. That's criminal. I think it borders on treason with the Chinese, but it certainly borders on, on, on you know, RICO statutes when it comes to providing the Bidens with information if the DOJ is, in fact, investigating them and not protecting their whistleblower. 
Then it says one I, that's O-N-E dash E-Y-E, one I, uh, told Yee that the Southern District of New York, well, that sounds familiar, was investigating him and or Ho in late 2017, and that an Asian, an African, and a Jewish guy were <laughs> named on a sealed indictment. So the Asian would be any of those Chinese folks. The, I don't know who the African would be, what, Eric Holder, and the Jewish guy. Uh, I don't know who that would be either. Let's find, you know, we're named in the sealed indictment. Soon after that tip-off, Yee offered Hunter $1 million to be his private counsel and flew to China, leaving his wife, daughter, son, mother, and nanny in his $50 million penthouse at 15 Central Park West. Nice real estate. Yi was detained in Shanghai three months later and disappeared by Yi. Before he left New York, Yi told Ho that the coast was clear for him to come back to the U.S. This is just a mess. There's more to it, but I don't know if I want to. I'll forget the details soon after I get to it. Interesting, huh? Yeah, it is. So there's yet another, and of course it won't be investigated by Congress because they're geldings. It won't be looked at by uh, the media because they cover for for, uh, Brandon. They don't care who's killed in the process. They won't investigate the Clintons or any of the mysterious deaths under under Hillary. Why do you bring them to justice? You can't bring them to justice until you actually have a justice department. Currently we have a Praetorian Guard enforcement. We're basically a KGB. We have a, we have a Ministry of Internal Security. So the job of the FBI KGB is to support the administration, to spy on American citizens, and to stop anything that would in any way impact the, the, the coup. So the, K, the, the DOJ's specific job is to support and defend the coup that has taken over our federal government as part of the coup that took over our federal government. That's what the Department of Justice does. Yeah, but it, it, no matter who the president is, and no matter seemingly whoever the head of the DOJ, it never gets done. Well, that's because the president appoints the attorney general, and they're uh, confirmed by Congress. But what you really need so is for the no matter. Oh. All right, so what's you the solution? Can out, what's the solution? You can pick Come out on. your best. You can pick out your best appointee, mm-hmm. and these questions of why come such and such didn't get prosecuted, and, and that it never happens. Well, the solution is to make the attorney general an elected position. Oh, wouldn't that be interesting? Especially if they're from a different party. See, in California, the, the California attorney general is elected. In Florida, the attorney general is elected. They can be of different parties. You know, we had an agriculture yeah, commissioner who's a Democrat. What's that? That's a state level, but it's, it's, it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Why not federal? Considering how corrupt the Department of Justice is under, under every – look at Nixon's attorney general, John Mitchell, covered for the Nixon administration in Watergate. That was his job. You look at anybody. Look at Eric Holder under uh, Barack Obama. His job was to cover all Barack Obama's illegal acts and unconstitutional acts. You look at Janet Reno under Bill Clinton. Janet Reno killed the Branch Davidians and committed all kinds of other unconstitutional acts. We wouldn't have these attorney generals. Look at Merrick Garland, who is enforcing every unconstitutional law you can think of, acting as the Minister of Internal Security for the KGB in his position. He was appointed by Joe Biden. So I don't think the attorney general should be uh, an appointed position. It's too important. I would even require they be different parties, given the, the governance of, of the country in terms of what happens with the parties. You know, so, uh, but I don't know if I can require that in law, but I certainly think I can certainly require in law that the attorney general be elected. That would be huge, especially, con- you know, considering how important the presidential elections are. And if you really want to make it interesting, 
have the attorney general run in the off years, have them run the midterm years so that the attorney general crosses over administrations. That'd be even better. Might bring a little more attention to the midterm elections. So attorney generals would serve under two presidents. What's that? It needs to be 50 Supreme Court judges uh, to come on the bench 25 in in, uh, staggered years. No, I disagree. I think I disagree with that. I'll tell you why. Because you then make the Supreme Court a legislature. What we, I think the better plan, uh, and it's not that you don't have a valid point. You do have a valid point. I understand where, where you're doing with it. But you don't want to create What's a legislature. What's the maximum number of Supreme Court justices? What's the maximum number of judges you have in the Supreme Court? There isn't. There isn't. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. No, I agree. No, there I understand is no that. number. Yeah. They, can, uh-huh. they, can, they can at any time, mm-hmm. they can at any time point 100. They could. At any time. You'd be better off, but you'd be better off making the senators no, appointed by the state legislature. It wouldn't be no better. It wouldn't be no better. It'd be what they would do because anything that we've seen them do, we could always say, well, it could have been done better. So every state had one representative. That's fair. Well, except we're a republic. And what people say is fair, like a democracy, you know, one person, one vote, majority rules, is actually not fair because it discriminates against anybody who's not in the majority. You know, I always say a lynch mob is a democracy uh, and a trial uh, by jury with rules of evidence is a republic. So well, the Republican two senators to meet state. See, that would be different. So the two senators should be elected or appointed by the state legislatures. They, that would, that, that would get them. What's that? They're federal officials. It would be thing. So, you, you know, you disagree. I think it would be a good idea. Okay. I mean, but, uh, you know, if anybody wants to one, weigh in on that, one judge, we have one judge from each state, and uh-huh. they're there for a period of time, uh-huh. and the appointment is alternate. That way, twenty-five going on at any time. That kind of take care of your sort of, but not completely your tie votes. But I would, I would dread to see a tie vote with fifty yeah, uh, justices on Yeah, see, I but think we the money that. I think that uh, yeah. That way you uh, take uh, it out of the politics. No, I think you you put it into the politics even more because all the money would go into uh, um, supporting you know candidates in in the state office who would support particular Supreme Court appointees. I think the the, the money in the politics would only get worse. Now, what I want to see, I'd actually like to see the Supreme Court go back to six, six justices, because when the six justices you you take three or three for a tie, but that that's a no decision. So the decisions would always be two thirds. You know, four on one side, two on the other. So six is really the perfect number of Supreme Court uh, judges. Um, but I don't want to. Yeah, but, but you don't I, have a representation of all states like that. One can admit, and since well, they always have representation. Yeah. Yeah, but, but one not, can admit and has been identified that the United States presently consists of uh-huh. about 11 different nations because of the ideology. Look at what's going on up in Washington State. Look mm-hmm. at what's going on down in Florida. So in order for those potential ideologies to be represented when it comes down to the high court, each state should have the ability to appoint a justice. I'm sure. Okay. I'm sorry, a judge. No, it's okay. No, I, and I, I get your point. But where I disagree with you is I think it would become much too much like a legislature. And the Supreme Court, the courts are not supposed to be representative. They're separate from that. So it's, it's pretty legislatures, – Legislatures make laws. Judges don't. Exactly. And right now we have way too much power in the Supreme Court. 
Um, I'm hoping to get Alan Dershowitz on the show. <laughs> I'll give more details about that later. That's all I'll say uh, for now. But uh, if I get him on the show, that's the first thing we're going to talk about is judicial review and, and some other things. So we shall, uh, you know, we shall see what we can do. But, um, you know, I've said it before, so it's not, it's not a big surprise. But I'd love you to know, get him on the show. These uh-huh. states have the power not to uh, let them make review. We don't want to agree. We, we won't, don't agree with it. That's the power that the states have now. Well, see, the state should be able to overturn Supreme Court uh, opinions in their state. Absolutely. Yeah, see, that and was that was that. Call, they should be able to call their justice to the carpet. So if you have one Trump, each mm-hmm. state, they no, would be the able to do that. That can be done now by your yeah. congressperson. Your state legislation has the power to call their congressperson, theoretically, uh-huh. to the carpet. In yeah, you can recall. I've seen governors recalled. Gray Davis was recalled uh, in California. Uh, by talk show host Melanie Morgan. I was talking about that earlier in, in the show. Now, I see I do believe in an independent judiciary, but what I don't believe in um, is them taking powers that uh, they were not granted by the Constitution, that they're not authorized to have. So the solution for me is I, I don't even mind keeping the Supreme Court at nine. It's actually not a bad, uh, bad thing. If you have an odd number, that way you, you, know, you, never, really, you never get a tie unless somebody doesn't vote. Um, but nine, nine judges, that's okay. Well, let me finish. Let me finish. How I want to do this. So you have nine judges uh, that are strictly held to good behavior standards. In other words, they must abide by Article Three of the Constitution. They cannot use judicial review. They can use the Constitution. Doesn't mean they can't, uh, you know, overturn a law and say this law is unconstitutional. They can do that. But what they can't do is provide a remedy, provide a policy, provide a regulation, uh, make a national decree or anything like that. That's where they've overstepped their bounds. They cannot suddenly just declare an unconstitutional, a law unconstitutional by some made-up principle that they come up with. So judicial review gives them the ability – they cannot interpret the Constitution. They have to use it as written. So they can do everything that they're supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, I agree with all that. Yeah, but, what, but, what you, but you still want to be independent. Yeah, but you still want to be independent. the way Solomon did. Yeah, disagree. You because know how he did? Go ahead. I do believe he had two women fighting over a baby. Right. Solomon said, cut the baby in half and give one half to each lady. Yeah, and what if what if they said... Then the original mother said, no, let the other lady have it. Right. So she will award the baby. Right. And that's the wisdom of Solomon. But what if if the women said, "Ah, I don't care? What if they're both uh, crackheads? Said, you know, I don't care. Go ahead, split it. There wasn't no crack back in the time. <laughs> Got that opium. No, but what I'm saying is that only worked because one of the women had a conscience. You know, the 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 true mother. But it doesn't. But you can't always, you can't always guarantee that in law. So what that is, that's a moral statement. That's not a that's not a judicial statement. So that talks about the wisdom of Solomon, not the actual practical application of law. So it's a great it's a great thing to talk about because that is what a real parent would do when it comes to law. I want an independent judiciary, but I want that independent judiciary restricted by the bounds of the Constitution. That's the way it's supposed to be. In yeah, judicial but, review, yeah, but you can still have all those things with 50 justices because as it stands now, there's no limitation to the number of judges that can sit on the court. Also, we talk about mm-hmm. good behavior. What in the world is good behavior? Compliance that is as wide as the Grand Canyon. Right, I'll tell you right now what it is. Right. It, 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 I tell you what it should be. I don't know if, if, if how Congress would do it, but our, you, to me, you, good behavior, good behavior, be, but it's not but, written down. Well, no, in some ways it is because they swear an oath to support and defend the Constitution, as written. You know, they don't say as written, but that's what it is. So if you if you get outside the bounds of supporting and defending the Constitution, 
and using Article 3. If you get outside the bounds of Article 3, your behavior is bad. I think it's actually fairly easy to define. So but if you exercise... Not it's, 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 okay, that, I'm not worried yeah, about how it is. I'm not talking about how it is. I'm well, talking you, about how it should but be. But you, right. you used that as a point just earlier. But mm-hmm. Clarence Thomas accepting gifts, they, people want to say that's unethical. Otherwise, they're trying to say that's bad behavior. But anyway, let's go on with your, with your no, next yeah, point. So you probably different. got a gift yeah. coming in at 8 o'clock, don't you? No, actually, we don't. Are we um, there? Well, no, nobody's here today. It's just us. <laughs> you know, uh, Derek's out and uh, Candace is out. So and I don't have an 8 o'clock guest. Last Friday, we were wall-to-wall guests, but I also had, you know, Wednesday and Thursday, I had nobody. I was doing solo yeah. three hours. So today, today it's a solo three hours. But I did record an interview from my third day as a talk show host with Jeff Metcalf, who was a fabulous talk show host from uh, uh, San Francisco. And he's moved. He's somewhere in the south somewhere. I'll see if I can get him back on. I'll send him the interview because we're, we're, still, we're still talking. But I got to find out more about the Patriot movement and the the recurring Tea Party movement. But it's fascinating. We even talked about the deep state back in 2017 before nobody else did. So as usual, action video we're we're way ahead of the curve, sometimes years. Uh, so I found that quite fascinating. Anyway, um, but as, let me just get the last word in on this. I'm going to do one more issue um, before we go. The helicopter crash um, that's uh, Fort Rain, Wainwright, way up there, way up there. They call themselves the Arctic Angels. But to me, the way I'd settle this is that leave the nine judges of the Supreme Court, force them to stay in Article 3. If they don't, they get their asses kicked out. Um, I do not want a 50, you know, Supreme Court membership because, first of all, you, what if you get 50 opinions? You're going to wait through all that stuff? It would become a legislature, and we already have a legislature. The states must repeal, the, I think it's the 17th Amendment, and the states must go back to electing and appointing their senators. That's the only way they're going to get representation in Congress. That's how it should work. So that's how I see it. Nine, nine judges within the bounds of Article 3, um, 100 senators uh, appointed by the states, and the House you know, elected by, by uh, the people uh, within their congressional district. That's a republic. That's a division of power. That's a separation of powers. That's federalism. All right. <sighs> Next word. Military.com says three soldiers killed in helicopter collision. The second such accident in less than a month. My immediate thought. And I've already sent this to a friend of mine who is a military person um, who had a jab dispute with the military. Uh, say, hey, is this, is this jab related? So I'll find out uh, probably Monday. I'll be able to report something on that. But military.com, 27th of April, that would be to yesterday, says Joint Base Elmendorf, Richardson, Alaska. Three soldiers were killed and one seriously injured Thursday after two U.S. Army helicopters collided midair during a training exercise. Now, it doesn't say night, so I assume this happened in the daytime. I'll see if I can get a weather report, see what the visibility was. But helicopters, they don't fly that fast. They don't fly that high. And they fly in pretty horrendous weather because they can hover. <laughs> so if things get worse, they can just kind of stay there and go, oh, and then we can uh, inch our way out of this. Airplanes can't do that. All right, so they collided during a midair during a training exercise. Uh, I think this is jab-related. I think what happened is that uh, with the military, as with airline pilots, you know, the pilot becomes incapacitated. And with a helicopter, it's not like an airplane. You know, you, you, don't, you don't take hands off and watch it fly itself. You don't trim it up and let it go. Helicopters have to be 100% flown. I, I imagine the big ones do have an autopilot. But if they're in a training exercise and that helicopter is flown manually by one person, which I think is how it works in the military. I don't know if they have dual controls on the helicopters or not. But if the one person who has their hands on the controls suddenly becomes incapacitated because of a COVID shot, that's when these things can happen. And they can happen within seconds. No one would have time to do anything about it, which is why the military never should have had the jab. But that's a different story. 
Article says this crash, the crash, excuse me, marks the second fatal military helicopter training accident in less than a month. That's why it leads me to believe this is COVID shot related. That's too many, too close together. The two AH-64 Apache helicopters, these are advanced. These aren't training helicopters. These are the good ones, right? AH-64 Apache helicopters from the 1st Attack Battalion, 25th Aviation Regiment at Fort Wainwright crashed near Healy, Alaska, according to a statement from John Pennell, a spokesperson for the U.S. Army in Alaska. Two of the soldiers were declared dead at the scene of the crash. A third died during transport to Fairbanks Memorial Hospital. I've been to Fairbanks, by the way. It's way up there. I've seen the Alaska pipeline. I even went to 150 miles north of the Arctic Circle with my kid. That's another story. Anyway, Fairbanks Memorial Hospital, about 110 miles from Healy by road. <laughs> that could take like hours. A fourth soldier is being treated for injuries at Fairbanks. Okay, let's see if they say anything about anything else. Uh, quote, this is an incredible loss for the soldiers' families, fellow soldiers. Okay, let me see if the, let me say what goes out about it. The crash, oh, here we go. The crash marks the second deadly training accident for the Army in less than a month. Nine soldiers were killed March 29th when two U.S. Army Blackhawk medical evacuation helicopters crashed during a routine nighttime training exercise about 30 miles northeast of Fort Campbell in Kentucky. I remember that. But nighttime is different. Night, as anybody knows who flies, nighttime is different. Um, so because they didn't say that this crash occurred at nighttime, I can only assume it, was, it occurred in the daytime where the visibility is huge compared to nighttime. So now I think it's a COVID jab. They said it is also the second Apache accident in Alaska this year. Well, that's not good either. In February, two soldiers were injured when an Apache helicopter, also from the 25th Attack Battalion, rolled after taking off from Talkeetna, Talkeetna, Alaska, about 160 miles by road <laughs> from the site of Thursday's crash. How about by air? How we should do by air time. So that aircraft was one, of the, was one of four traveling to Joint Base Elmendorf-Richardson in Anchorage from Fort Wainwright. Okay, if anybody doesn't know Fort uh, Elmendorf, is huge. Uh, Alaska is where they take off from to intercept the Russian bear bombers. Uh, Alaska is our forefront of the dew line, the distant early warning line. For those that uh, uh, don't know about Cold War technology, um, Alaska is on the forefront. It's the furthest northern territory of the United States. And that's where the, the planes fly out of. That's where they check the Russian airplanes. That's where they do the interceptions. All that, I think a lot of it comes out of Elmendorf. And if anybody remembers the movie Failsafe, um, where, uh, no, excuse me, War Games. War games of Matthew Broderick and Dabney Coleman and Ali Sheedy, um, you remember that Elmendorf was one of those places where the missiles were supposed to hit first when the Whopper, you know, the computer that took over for people um, actually thought that the computer game was real and was actually firing real missiles. So that was an interesting movie. But Elmendorf's big, big place. Um, Pianchi, COVID jab or not COVID jab? What do you think? And this is pure speculation on our part. Oh, yeah, you went sure. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep up with you, but the, the COVID jab, where you get that at? Where, how you come up, How you following COVID jab all of a sudden? Well, no, I've been saying it the whole article. I mean, you're, I know you're doing other things, and that's okay. But, no, I think anytime I, I hear about multiple military collisions, crashes, unusual activity like this, I figured that there's a good chance that, that somebody on board one of those helicopters was incapacitated. And the way that people are being incapacitated in the air right now uh, is the COVID jab. You look at the airline pilots that have uh, passed out, had to have the co-pilot land the airplane, you know, or, the, or the captain, you know, the co-pilot, uh, the first officer passes out and the, and the captain lands, or the captain passes out and the first officer lands. That's happening pretty regularly around the world because they've all had yeah. COVID jabs. They had a, a pilot pass out here the other day, but... You know, they don't associate 
you know, it's one thing for people to uh, think, and it may be at some point in time, but right now people don't, uh, the, the trend is not leading in that direction. I think there's some correlation myself, but uh, if I were to say, they would call me a conspiracy theorist. Well, no, I don't think it's, I don't, well, it's definitely a theory. But what's the well, the conspiracy is the fact that the government mandated the cover jab, not knowing what was in it, uh, kowtowing to their, their uh, you know, Dr. Fascist and the health Nazis and Big Pharma uh, to put something forward that uh, they had no idea of the consequences. So we know from surgeons, uh, what's her name? Uh, is it uh, Teresa Long? I forgot her name. But anyway, there, there are flight surgeons, many people on the show. We had 18 weeks of the world's greatest doctors panel. We know the COVID jab causes strokes, incapacitates people, causes myocarditis, causes swelling in the heart and heart attacks. We know it does. So why would you assume that it's not a potential factor? I think it's probably the factor. Because if you take the best trained people in the world, flying helicopters, young, healthy adults, the one thing that stops young, healthy adults these days is the COVID jab with heart swelling and strokes and massive blood clots and, you know, a whole host of other problems. You know, the miscarriage rate is horrendous right now because of the COVID jab. You know, they're uh, just what's happening. Listen to Rebecca Charles when she's on the show. Death by hospital protocol. The government protocols are killing people and have been doing so ever since the whole COVID uh, thing was uh, planned and staged. You know, we always knew. I, we broadcast, we were the first to broadcast, I think, in the country maybe. Early treatments work. March 2nd of 2020. There is no, there is no pandemic. Early treatments work. Stop panicking, people. We don't need a vaccine. We've got a cure. A cure is better than a vaccine. I broadcast that March 2nd. You can look up the show. We've always said that. That's why we're so suppressed. Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but you also uh-huh. got to look at it, too. Who's going to say that, though? The well, CDC is not going to say it, so who mm-hmm. else? No. Yeah, but great. No. How many people, you know, not to be funny, but there's more people that don't know or never heard of you than there is that have. And oh, I know. On your show, you, you can't say that. But what I'm saying is this, and, mm-hmm. and I know that you can agree. You only got one agency, and that's the CDC. So they're not going to speak against themselves. So you mm-hmm. got to have somebody that is uh, that is just authoritative and just as credible, and and then be recognized so as them to uh, say what they're saying, just the opposite. Then guess what? You're going to need a third entity in order to break the tie. No, I agree. No, listen, if if this show were completely uncensored, if big tech were not putting me under all the algorithms that I'm under and uh, all the suppression I'm under, this show would be huge right now. This show would be worldwide right now. Uh, I know it would because of the way we were growing before COVID, and we were were kicking butt. This show was doing some amazing things. Uh, and the show wasn't that good. I was still working a full-time job. I was only doing two hours a day. And our audience was was booming in so many areas. It's still there, but it's all word of mouth. See, the people that listen to us are the uh, the most independent people on the planet because we're in Cuba. And how are we in Cuba? We're in Turkey. We're in Islamic. We're in Indonesia. These are Islamic countries that are not what you'd call republics or democracies. How are we there? How are we in Belarus, which is subject of Russia? How are we in Russia? How many people are listening? Where are they? Siberia? Who knows where they are? People are listening to us in China. Well, you don't think the Chinese Communist Party wants to stop them? But they're listening. We're not in Taiwan. I think we're blocked from Taiwan by China. Um, but a lot of folks, listen. South Korea listens, Japan listens. And these are, you know, Vietnam listens. That's a communist country. How is it? We're, we've been in Vietnam since we started this show. How is that? So the word is getting around. We're in Brazil, which has been taken over by communists. We're all over the world, but we're not huge. Nowhere near what we should be. This show should be at least a million listener show by now. 
and would have been without the censorship because of what we do, because of the independence of what we do. But all it would take for us to get there is people going around the algorithms and simply sharing the show. And when that happens, we will be huge. But you have to have success to be successful. People have to, you know, recognize. In other words, people say, well, I'm not going to share your show until you get some bills passed. Okay, well, great. Well, I'm not going to get bills passed until you share the show. <laughs> you know, it's a catch-22. I can't win under those circumstances. I can't share the show, and I can't share the bills for people. They physically have to do it themselves, and they're not because we're not big enough. People share things that are already big. Kim Kardashian can, can do one thing and will get 10 million shares. Why? Because she's Kim Kardashian. She's big. People will share things that are popular because they want to be popular too. You know, we don't, we're not known by a huge amount of people. That's very true. But there are certain people that really value what we're doing, and that's why we do it. Um, and so because of the, the friends that we have in very interesting places that are helping us right now, you know, I, I see a huge opening. At some point, major public figures are going to start talking about us. And at that point, we're going to break through the censorship. That's what I'm, you know, working for every day. So we'll get there. It's just a question of who. And once one does it, more will do it. You know, if I can get on Tucker Carlson, everybody else will interview me. Guarantee it. If I get on a bunch of other places, Tucker Carlson will interview me. <laughs> Guarantee that. I want to get on Seth Rogan's, uh, not Seth, Joe Rogan's show. And I got on Joe Rogan for, for three hours. You know, they'll be talking about us for years. <laughs> but I just have to break through. I have to, you know, make that, uh, make that leap. And that's what's holding us back right now. That's the only thing that yeah. holds us back. But as far as associating, uh-huh. as far as associating these, these incidents to COVID vaccination, as I said before, you got to have somebody. It's just like the baseball. You got a home plate umpire that will call a foul ball, whether it's on this side or that side of the foul line, as mm-hmm. a foul ball or a fair ball. But if yeah. something arises, you got another umpire on first base that will say, no, it was on this side. Yeah. So, well, it's uh, different you though. Have no, the same thing when it comes down to this. Yeah, well, all you have to do is check the medical records. You just said, Pianki, you just check the medical records. If everybody, if every pilot involved in the midair collision, you know, whoever the cause of the accident is, there's always one. Uh, if they had the COVID jab and this seems to be a pattern, well, then we can look at it more. That's what I think is going on. But they don't release that information. Yeah, they information. should. I mean, if that's yeah. what they wanted to do. Yeah. But right now, no, nobody it, wants to go against the CDC. That's why mm-hmm. Trump did what he did, because the public is listening to, quote, unquote, the specialist. And mm-hmm. they consider CDC a specialist. Yeah, but they're not. They're actually under the Department of Commerce. People don't realize that. The, uh, the authority for the CDC is not in public health, because there is no public health authority in the Constitution. So they take it from the Commerce Clause. And what they do, the only authority the CDC has is to stop people at the border, um, if they have a communicable disease and they have symptoms of it, they can stop those folks at the, at the border because that would affect interstate commerce. That's the only authority they have. They're not a regulatory agency. They have no power to create policy. They can make recommendations, but they don't actually do anything other than protect us from folks coming into the country with a communicable disease that they have symptoms for. That's it. Everything else is well, just Well, yeah, but that ain't how the public look at it. You ever, you ever read the Surgeon General warning on a pack of cigarettes? Uh-huh. Well, people have. think that this Surgeon General is the uh, is the man. Well, the Surgeon General, well, actually, the Surgeon General is a man, even though he looks like a woman, <laughs> which is kind of funny. 
You know, I forgot what what his real name yeah, is. Yeah, what they think he is, he, what they say he's the final authority. So that's, no, he's you not. have those things that you have to overcome. You got to overcome what uh, how people take it and people panic it. People done things that they that they never seen this before, and it does it was what it became. Mm-hmm. It's still lingering around today. Yeah, but people don't use their brains. You know, it's not hard. To, you know, go through. Everybody should have a logic and reason filter. Does it make sense? You know, does it make sense that we're having a whole bunch more military accidents? Uh, and the, the the COVID jab was mandated, and before we had the COVID jab mandated, we didn't have as many accidents. That should tell you something. Cause and effect. You know, they say, you know, what is it? Uh, coincidence doesn't uh, make causation. Well, it can. <laughs> You know, it was worth investigating. I mean, how do you know that's not that's not the cause? The easy way to find out is you know, like the did you listen to the uh, hearing with uh, General Austin? He was asked why come he haven't brought back those soldiers that uh, refused the jab. Now that you find out that uh, the way situations are, and his answer is that we are bringing in new recruits. Well, why come you don't bring back those people and offer them their job back since what you've done was totally wrong in order to relieve them? And those new recruits no, because they want new recruits. They don't want yeah. them. Those people have already demonstrated they got the ability to defy. Yeah. So they want new recruits. Oh, yeah. No, I understand. And they want them jabbed. So they're, they're perpetuating the problem. You know, because they don't have to take a recruit if they don't want the jab. So if they refuse, you don't hear about those. They, you know, they never, they never announced how many people were refused uh, military service because they wouldn't take a jab. So all the new recruits are going to have the jab. Right? I don't know if they are or not. They have no one wrote up the story on that. But you may be right. Maybe they are required to take the jab along with it. About a dozen more different shots when you're in the military. Uh huh. Well, I mean, they were required to take the anthrax vaccine. That's what caused Gulf War syndrome. So it's not like we haven't been to this before. That's when I became anti-vax. Was back in the '90s when I'm like, wait a minute, you, you, you know, people are getting Gulf War syndrome who never went to the Gulf. How'd that happen? Well, because they're given the anthrax vaccine. We traced it to that vaccine and squalene, you know, which is in the flu shots, by the way, um, and some other chemicals. So it was well documented. In fact, the, the company that even did that said, you know, test for squalene. And I, I did a whole, I did shows on this back when I first started, back in um, 20, uh, 2017. We did shows on Gulf War Syndrome and say, wait a minute, this is what happened in the 90s. Don't take vaccines. I've been consistent with that all the way along. Vaccines are dangerous. They should not be on the market. And they wouldn't be. They wouldn't be if we had vaccine product liability. The only reason the vaccines exploded under the market uh, is because a, well, actually a couple of reasons. One, they're one size fits all. They give everybody the same dose, regardless of you know size or anything. They only distinguish between adults and children. Uh, but there's some big kids and there's some really short adults. Uh, so that's that's a bad thing. But the other reason uh, is because there's no liability, so they can do anything they want. They can put anything they want in there, anything they want, and they're not liable for it. Well, that's insane. <laughs> you're requiring. You know, to, you're required to take a shot by, you know, that you have no idea what's in it, and they, and they don't have to tell you, and they're not responsible for whatever's in there, and you have no idea what it is? That's crazy. Anyway, let's take a break for a little bit. What I want to do, then I'll come back, and I'll introduce my, my Jeff Metcalf interview, because it's really funny, because there were mistakes. I, it was my third day in radio, so uh, hopefully I've improved a little bit since then in the last six years, but, um, but that, that, that kind of makes it fun to go back and listen. It's like, oops, you know, some of the balance is wrong. Well, I'll tell you when I come back. Anyway, what's the time now? 8.15, good time to take a break. 
His interview lasts about 42, 43 minutes. So it'll take us up to the third hour, and of course that'll be open. We can do whatever we want then. So let me take a break right now, and I'll be right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. 
Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Radio, dedicated to fixing everything. Yeah, one of the things I have to fix is some of the um, uh, themes for my guests. I need to add some and correct some others and just uh, make some changes as, uh, of course, people's lives change, and so I you know, have to redo some stuff. Anyway, uh, so hopefully I'll take care of that today. I've got uh, just a long list. Uh, you know, the, the off-the-air stuff is, is far busier than the on-the-air. On-the-air is easy. That's the easy part. I get to sit here and talk. Uh, and uh, push buttons and write notes down, things like that. But the off the air, that's where most of the work of the show gets done. Um, so I got an interview, and this is with uh, with Jeff Metcalf, and it was it was fascinating. Uh, it, w- it was quite an amazing time, as I'd only been a talk show host three days. So I started March 1st of 2017, and this one was March 3rd of 2017. So I wanted to get it in early just because you know I was looking for the advice. But it turned out to be quite fascinating uh, because Jeff – um, just really interesting person. Uh, he's former Special Forces. He was, I think, I believe, a lieutenant colonel uh, or a full colonel. I'm not sure. I think it was lieutenant colonel. Anyway, um, so he did that. His, his father was in media. He went into media. You know, he, I think he's owned stations, run news departments, been the operations director, that kind of stuff. So he knows media. Uh, and he's also involved in the Patriot Movement. And so that would be the Tea Party, uh, other Patriot folks, things like that. And he promised to get me a list of people. It's interesting what, he, what we talked about then. And I figured, well, I have him back. And, of course, uh, you know, a month and uh, a year and four months later, um, I was out of a job. And so I, I, was, I was disappeared <laughs> from WEBY uh, when new owners bought the station and do what new owners usually do, which is replace, you know, the people there. That's, that's kind of normal for radio. But uh, with me, it was like instantaneous. We don't want any action radio on our station. Okay, fine. You know, anyway, so uh, I moved to Blog Talk. But uh, Jeff has always been an inspiration, and we've been in touch, you know, off and on since uh, we did this interview. And it just, it, you know, and also in SF, uh, K, when he was at KSFO in San Francisco, because I was a regular caller, and I call all the time. And I actually proposed a, a self defense amendment, a sort of a, a modified Second Amendment for California. So I've been doing this writing stuff of bills, you know, for years. Uh, this is not something that just happened. Um, uh, and it's interesting to listen to this and some of the articles, some of the things that, that we talk about now actually started then. And I'm always surprised to, to see how early, you know, I had a thought about any particular issue. So you'll find uh, uh, the Patriot Movement comes up in this, uh, Russian collusion, and what a joke that was. And this is March of 2017. Trump's been in office two months, right? Uh, we talk about Second Amendment. He talks about national reciprocity, popular vote versus and the Electoral College we talk about. Uh, we even mentioned states as independent countries. Pianchi's going to gonna laugh as soon as he hears that part. That, and I hadn't, we just said it. You know, so this is something that we come up on the show here. But I didn't realize I said the exact same thing back in 2017. 
about six years ago, right? Uh, we talk about, uh, Jeff talks about Obama's leftovers in the Trump administration, how he really needs to get rid of them. Apparently Bush told him to do that and he didn't do it. That was one of Trump's biggest mistakes. And we talked about the, the, the shadow government under Obama. So there's many things in here that are really interesting that still apply to today. So I thought this would be a good thing to do since, you know, my, my regular reporters have, uh, you know, canceled out on me. So um, this is about 42 minutes. So, so sit back, take your time, listen. If you call the show, I'll just, you know, get you off the air and say, hey, we're playing a recording. So this is from March 3rd of 2017. Any reference to WBY, phone numbers, things like that, that is not real. That doesn't apply anymore because you can't call a station. It's not what it used to be. Um, but here the number is 215-383-3832. This is the Action Radio Citizen Legislature on blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. And this was me, <laughs> my, my third day in radio. And again, you got balance mistakes, you got producer mistakes, you got all kinds of stuff. My third day in radio with, with my special guest and fellow talk show host, uh, Jeff Metcalf. that my, uh, my very special guest uh, is on the line right now. So we're going to get right to that because uh, this is a pretty special person and it's a rare privilege for me to be able to have someone on my show uh, whose show I listened to for years and years. So let's get the intro going. Oh, yeah, there we go. He is an Eagle Scout, a second-generation broadcaster who started in Providence, Rhode Island, commissioned in the U.S. Army to ROTC and Providence College, went to Fort Benning for Airborne Ranger, Airborne and Ranger School, went to Fort Bragg for Special Forces, became a Green Beret, retired as a lieutenant colonel, was a news director of WAAB and WAAF, owned a Sacramento Ag Agency, was a talk show host on KSTE and KSFO in San Francisco, has authored over 500 commentaries and four novels, including The Terrorist Killers. Please welcome my special guest, Jeff Metcalf. Jeff, how you doing? So? Oh, there we go. Let's try this here. Jeff, are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, good. So I'm still learning how to push buttons and all kinds of things. First of all, <laughs> thank, you so much. thank you so much for coming on my show. I really appreciate having you here. Well, I'm delighted to be here. Uh, that's not a big deal. The big deal is getting up so early to be on with you. That's a big deal. Well, you know what's going to happen. My California guess, you know, it is early, but I do appreciate that. And I have to tell you, first off, you are one of my big inspirations and mentors because I remember your show on KSFO. You had the most incredible guests, and a lot of what I'm going to do is going to be modeled on the things that you taught me as a talk show host yourself. Well, that's very flattering. I, I don't know whether that's good or bad, but uh, time will tell, I guess. Yeah. Well, and actually, you got me started with uh, a lot of the activism I'm bringing to radio now. Uh, I don't know if you remember the self-preservation initiative I had, which was the Second Amendment uh, that yep. I was trying to add to the California Constitution. Mm-hmm. I, I remember that. Yeah. Got it quickly here for the folks, uh, for my new listeners. Self-preservation being a natural right of free men and women, the individual right to purchase, own, and carry firearms and ammunition shall not be infringed controlled, regulated, separately taxed, nor restricted or denied by firearm characteristic, registration, certificate, license, or permit, as I tried to cover everything. So it never went anywhere. Um, California is a lost cause when it comes to... Uh, well, don't feel like a Lone Ranger. I mean, I, I ran two, uh, actually three statewide 
uh, gun initiatives. Mm-hmm. The first one was to over, overturn a, uh, a bad piece of legislation. And uh, the second two were crafted by some, some excellent constitutional lawyers. And uh, actually, we, at one point, I guess our high point was we collected about 800,000 signatures, uh, but we needed like a million. So that didn't go anywhere. But like you said, California is a tough road to hoe. Well, and that's the problem is because we have a constitution that specifically prohibits the government from infringing on Second Amendment rights, and yet we have states that are allowed to do what they're doing in California. And I want to get into the patriot movement, things like that, in just a little bit. But since we're on the Second Amendment, you know, how can we help the rest of the country? I mean, I moved to Florida, so we have great gun laws here, uh, and we're still trying for open uh, carry uh, pretty soon. But uh, how do you go against you know, these governments when they're so clearly violating the Constitution and, uh, and nothing seems to be done about it. You know, I, I'm, I'm delighted and uh, kind of intrigued to, to hear what your plans are about the citizen legislation thing. But uh, the, the catch-22 is that the people that we elect, uh, the Constitutional Republic, you know, we elect our representatives to make law. Uh, when they don't make law, what do we do about it? Well, what we ought to do about it is fire their butts, kick them out, and replace them with somebody who will represent the people. We're at a very interesting crossroads in the republic right now, and uh, the the erosion of the, the founders' constitutional principles over time and atrophy have resulted in uh, a government that is just, you know, infused with abuse of power under the color of authority. Now, now that's wrong. But, but how do you fix it? Ideally, the, the way the framers intended to fix it was, you know, you, you elect people who will represent your interests. Uh, there have been so many questions about whether the system is rigged, uh, how, how, in, how ubiquitous is voter fraud. Uh, the seniority system is, you know, you know, we're supposed to have, when the framers put the republic together, we had representatives who were, you know, came from other walks of life. They were merchants, they were traders, they were lawyers, God forbid. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 but they came from the, yeah. the, the cross-section of society. They, they were intended, and they did, go into government and public service, do the thing, and they went back to doing what, the other, what they did. What we have now is kind of this almost royal class of uh, elected politicians who, once they get elected, don't ever go away. That's part of the problem. I mean, that, that's the cancer that has metastasized, which is eating away at the fabric of the republic. Yeah. I'll tell you, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things I intend to do about it. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of term limits, because if I replace one corrupt politician who's been there for a long time with two corrupt politicians who are there for a shorter time, that doesn't necessarily mean that change is taking place. But it's my contention that we have been intellectually lazy as patriots, as conservatives, in that our goal is to maintain or try and conserve what the Constitution has given us, and we've let that erode away, whereas what I want to do is advance new conservative, well, actually new principles of freedom. And so the guiding principle of my show, uh, something I came up with uh, fairly recently, actually, is the first principle that the people uh, shall give their consent to be governed through writing the laws by which they are governed. And this has never happened anywhere in the world where people have... Yeah, but Greg, yeah, Greg, we, 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 Greg we do that, we're supposed to do that through the republic. Right. I mean, and we, elect, we, we elect a representative to make law. Now, what you're proposing is that we make the law and then give it to the representatives. 
Okay. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. I just think that, uh, that you and I might respectfully agree to disagree on some of the details. Of oh, sure. Oh, that's fine. And listen, that's the whole point of this. And this is why, you know, I'm, I'm looking for, you know, if you want to be an advisor to the show and every once in a while you think of something that you think might help this, this come along, you know, please let me know because you've got a lot of experience in, in these various areas. But I'm, I'm going to try this. And I think it can be done. We have a website uh, that's going to be, I'm going to be working on this weekend, in fact, to try and get legislation posted. I have an entire agenda I'm going to talk about with the audience next Wednesday. Uh, in the 8 o'clock hour. We have a couple of guests on, on different shows before that. I'll I tell you what, Greg, yeah. if, if, you want, if you want an early win and you want to be able to uh, you know, create momentum okay. rather than, rather than you know, trying to you know, bite at a time, okay. in, instead of going after the big thing of crafting legislation, which, which you're going to encounter some institutional challenges with, and I'm not saying don't do that. If right. that's, that's you, Jones, go ahead. Yep. But if, if you want an early win, get on board early with the reciprocity thing on uh, concealed carry, because Trump made an almost cavalier comment early on, okay. and it really resonated. And I think if it's if it gets a broader audience, it I mean because in, let's talk about what that is he, first of all, so everybody understands. Okay, well right right now, uh, each state issues their own concealed carry permit, and. Uh, it's, it's statistically proven that in those this this goes to John John Lott's uh, research, and I'd like to talk about him a little later on if we can. Of course we but, can. Uh, sure. But um, the uh, those communities that have the highest crime rate have the most draconian, outrageous, crazy, nuts, stupid anti-gun legislation. Chicago. So you like yeah, it's Chicago, Washington D.C., New York City, Los Angeles, San Francisco, all those places that have high crime. Uh, have hardly any, you know, guns in the hands of law-abiding citizens. Only the bad guys have them. Uh, but in states where law-abiding citizens have access to firearms, like where you're at, Florida, Texas, Arizona, uh, it, the, the the violent crime goes down. And it goes down for a simple reason. Bad guys don't want to encounter an armed victim. They'll, they'll go somewhere else. Exactly. So uh, each state issues their own permit. Different states, depending on... You know, the psychographics of the area have different attitudes toward it. You, you happen to now reside in a state that is uh, very reasonable and says, you know, if, you, if you're not crazy nuts certifiable or you're not a convicted felon, you know, we have to issue a concealed carry permit. If we can't prove that you're not, uh, not entitled to carry a firearm, we have to give you one. California, where I happen to have the unfortunate... Uh, I reside. It's the opposite. It's you like shelter. it here? You love Pensacola just because of yeah. the area. No, I don't. I've been there. I don't like the bugs. Uh, <laughs> California is a shall issue state. Yeah. And each each uh, you issue, know, police department, or sheriff's department, they they can issue basically if they want to. Now there's there's in, inherent flaws in that. Mm-hmm. But what Trump mentioned early on, and this this is true, a driver's license is issued by each state. A driver's license gives you the privilege to operate a motor vehicle. Yep. The, you know, you get the argument, well, the Constitution says uh, we have, yeah, Constitution gives you the right, right to your free access to the highways. It doesn't say you can operate a, a motor vehicle without permission. And that's why each state issues a driver's license, which gives you permission to operate a motor vehicle, right? 
Mm-hmm. Like you can get in arguments about this. And like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be be working on driver's licenses later on as to whether <laughs> yeah. we actually need them. That's, that's I'm, I'm more extreme that, than you are, so, yeah. That's a, that, that's a whole other argument. Okay? Right. But as it stands right now, each state issues driver's license. That li- driver's license is recognized in every single state, uh, and that's cool. Nobody had raises an eyebrow about that. What Trump mentioned early on, and he's spot on with this, is a CCW also is a permission by the state for you to carry a firearm. This doesn't go to the constitutional Second Amendment right to bear an arms thing. This says you can, this is a state saying you can carry a firearm. We can't, well, we can't come up with a reason why you can't because uh, you're not nuts, you're not uh, certifiable, and you're not a felon. So we, we must issue. It's not we shall issue, we must issue. So given that, since you have a, a CCW in Florida, mm-hmm. It's only reasonable that you can drive into Georgia and be cool and go to Alabama or drive across the country like you just did. Yeah, that's a story now. <laughs> it stands now if uh, – and some people try to get around this by doing these online things where you get 32 uh, states to recognize you and think you can use it in California. Yeah. Eh, that, that dog ain't going to hunt, okay? Yeah, yeah. You do that, you're going to get popped. Yeah. So but was, uh, but this, registration – but reciprocity basically says that – if your your carry permit is good in one state, it's it's supposed to be good in all it's states. Good in all that states. Yeah, just just like your driver's license is. Okay, I think and it's a great idea, and I'm definitely going to be. You, you want to climb on board that early because that's something that I think Trump is going to implement, mm-hmm. and it's something that can. Yeah, you know, I, I I can be wrong on this. It, it happened once in '68, <laughs> but I, I think that um, he can execute this with uh, executive order, and he can you know with a pen he can say you know. We acknowledge reciprocity of CCWs, and even you take a big state like California. Okay, there's there's no unanimity in opinion on CCWs, but the the, the reality is, if I get a CCW in Susanville, which is a very conservative up north in the Boondocks community, mm-hmm. that CCW grants me the right to carry a firearm anywhere in the state of California if it's issued by uh, a sheriff or a police chief, I can carry concealed anywhere in California. And you, California is, as you know, a big hawking state. Yeah. Let me tell From you something. All the way from Eureka down on the Mexican border, I can, ca- I can carry that Susanville CCW in Los Angeles, in San Francisco, in Sacramento, in San Diego, and local authorities really can't do jack spit about it. Yeah. One thing you might be able to help me on, um, I come up with a concept of Second Amendment sanctuary cities. And I talked to the folks at KCRN about that. And I'm going to try and get Marion Hammer, uh, who is former NRA president, uh, on the air here. And we're going to do a joint call. You might, I'll tell you when it happens so you can listen and probably join the, sure. the conversation as well. But I want to try and, and have um, Marion Hammer and the NRA uh, create four states like California, which uh, don't have access to uh, the full use of the Constitution, uh, areas where they can designate sanctuary cities and, and basically go by the Constitution rather than the oppressive laws of California and see how that process would go. So that's Action Radio. That's, that's part of my vision is to create things like this because in California, they can't argue against it. They're already using sanctuary cities to violate uh, our immigration laws. Yeah, but it, you kind of almost have that now, Greg. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, you, there's, there was a town in the, in the, in the Delta, uh, Ileton, Ileton, yeah, where there was a very, very conservative uh, sheriff, and everybody went nuts because he, 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 if you if you were a resident of California, yeah. show up, sign a piece of paper, 
paid ten bucks and you had a CCW. So the difference was about it. Yeah, I we, mean, uh, so uh, and, and that was kind of like the, the, your sanctuary concept. So I, I don't, I don't know how you implement that. If it, if it's just a question of flipping off the uh, the, the progressive establishment and saying neener neener neener, uh, I, I think you're you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck okay. if you do that through uh, support, early support. I mean, I, I'm telling you, like start today and tomorrow. Okay. Oh, I'm already on to the congressman, uh, local congressman. I'll be on to the senators as well, so I'll definitely jump on that bag wagon. Hang yeah. on for a second, Jeff. We have to take a little break here uh, and then come back and I ask you about national security, the evolution of the patriot movement into the Tea Party, which didn't do what it was supposed to, it looks like, and where we stand now as, as conservative activists. So stand by. This is Greg Penglis with Jeff Metcalf on 1330 AM WEBY, Milton, Pensacola, and 1330WEBY.com. Be right back. I'm with my very special guest, uh, Jeff Metcalf. So, Jeff, I want to go back a little bit uh, and sort of trace how you got from Army Lieutenant Colonel to involved in the Patriot Movement. I think this was back in the Clinton era. Uh, and what happened with the Patriot Movement, the, the wonderful people that used to have on the air, where are they now, and, and what happened with the Tea Party, and where can we go now as conservative activists? So, what, uh, what can you tell me about that? Well, uh, you're right on the timing. It was... Uh just prior to the and throughout the uh, awful eight years of the, the Clinton regime, right. uh, we were kind of like the uh, the pre Tea Party constitutional conservatives, and it, it kind of happened serendipitously and, and by accident. Uh, it there's it no saying that you know when when the uh, when, when the student is ready, the master will find him. Right. And it kind of happened like that with a lot of these yes people that you know. People in the the mainstream uh, probably never heard of, but just were doing some real heavy lifting. And a lot of these folks are still around. The, the unfortunate thing of uh, the time of geography is I was I was putting I'm putting a list together for you of folks that you need to uh, be in touch with. And uh, and I appreciate that more than you know. So it's and it, it's I, really I wonderful. Stumble across these people who uh, died. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's I'm unfortunate, yeah. but uh, I mean, like Eustace Mullins was the the expert on the Federal Reserve stuff. And uh, uh, not not to you know steal your thunder in the future, but a lot of these issues that you're going to want to explore at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, these are the people who have been doing it for a. And I, I didn't realize how long it's been until I actually looked at the calendar and went through my contact list. DB Kid was yep. a. I remember uh, Is a remarkable woman. She um, she like you, uh, put California in her rearview mirror, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm not looking Texas. back. I love it. Yeah, she she moved to Texas, mm-hmm. and um, I was sad to hear she just lost her husband, who was a retired full colonel from the oh, army. Sorry. Uh, John Kitt a little while ago. He yeah. had uh, emphysema, but Debbie's still in Texas, and she's still writing. In fact, um, I, I reached out to somebody to confirm something, and uh, as a result of that, I'm going to. And you're partly sparked this. I I kind of get away from. The writing stuff through frustration and the need to take care of my son. Right. But um, you can talk about him too. Co- Tell us a little bit about your yeah, son. He's, he's in college now, so I'm uh, I'm going to return to the writing thing, and okay. um, I'll start providing you with some commentary that you can can not use as you see fit. Okay. But DB DB was uh, 
actually, she ran for Congress once in uh, California, too. She was a listener of mine when I was on a radio station in Sacramento. And um, we struck a serendipitous note, and she um, she and I, have, we've become friends. I mean, she's a, she's a great woman. Uh, uh, she's a little to the right of Attila the Hun. Um, <laughs> what did she write about specifically? Uh, constant, she's a, she is a rabid constitutional conservative. And, uh, I mean, the dot and tittle. She is, um, and her writings can be, she writes for, uh, let's see, Walden, newsandviews.com. I know she writes for them okay. uh, still. Uh, Paul Walters runs that, and uh, a bunch of other yeah. Anyway, DB Kid is one. Jacques Jacaran is a guy who has been on the, uh, the whole debt thing for a long time. Yeah. Some of these guests that I'm going to give you, and you're going to end up developing your, your own contact list as, right. as your show develops. But they kind of find you. They really do. I mean, I, I was when I was looking. Well, at tell them about me then, so that that really help out because I want a philosophical base. I want to have uh, you know be able to stand on the shoulders of giants, as they say. So what's well, already it, been it's done? Funny. Some of the people, some yeah. of the people that you know I helped get started early on mm-hmm. uh, have done great things. I mean, like uh, Timmy Bruce. Uh, the, the I love Tim Timmy. Timmy. Yeah. Uh, Timmy writes for the Washington Times now, but you know, I used to joke with her. But the only thing she and I had in common. Was we both like guns and women? There you go. Uh, but uh, Tammy is uh, she's a great gal. She, um, but she when she was getting started, there was like a, a conservative lesbian. That didn't make any sense. Yeah, uh, she was with. Uh, but um, she's a great gal, great mind, and uh, very articulate. Uh, I, I hope you'll have her on. There's another gal that used to write for World Net Daily, uh, Elana Mercer, who is from um, South Africa. And, um, well, international selling, too, because I'm thinking if I can take Action Radio here, why can't I help empower citizens you know, from Belize, Canada, Australia, England, you know, the English-speaking world to start with? Uh, I mean, the English folks go back to Magna Carta. They've got a huge philosophical base in freedom. So why can't you know, we, we develop something there if I can develop it here? So international is going to be a big part of this. Um, I want to get a call in here, and then we'll probably take another break. But we've sure. got, um, we've got um, Bill here. Who wants to uh, to give a shout? Bill, what have you got for us today? Did you say Bill? I did. I, I did the old Marine that welcomed you the other day to the office. Oh, thank you, Bill. Video. Yeah, I remember you. The old California buddy. <laughs> I I like BB's uh, attitude towards the Constitution. I am also a rabid constitutionalist. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, I'm on board with all this Second Amendment stuff you're talking about. And uh, we have a lot of low-information voters, people listening in, uh, that have no clue what the Constitution says. And I like to quote Article 1, Section 8, and the very last paragraph, which nobody likes to repeat. And it reads, Congress has the power to make all laws which shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers. That means they can make laws that carry into execution only those powers that Congress has or the government has, 
that are already written in the Constitution. And Bill, and one we of the have so cool many laws that do not yeah. even apply to anything in the Constitution. Yeah, Bill, hold on. Jeff has something for you. One of the there's two cool things, Bill, that you bring up. Number one is the Constitution is not uh, an empowering document; as it is a limiting document. It, it limits the government. I agree specifically to what it can and can't do. Absolutely, I agree. But it does not limit them from making a law to carrying into execution those already enumerated powers. And you know what's fascinating, Bill, for years and years and years, uh, this happens about every five or ten years, someone will introduce a bill in Congress uh, to the effect that no bill may proceed through the process, and there's a process to making law. It has to go through the House. I've been eight years in Washington. Okay. So you have to the process. process. <laughs> the, oh, this bill it keeps getting shot down. I mean, it never even gets out of flipping committee. Yeah, is, I understand. It's <laughs> a constitutional test. In other words, you can't, you can't, in order for a bill to proceed beyond point A, first you have to quote, stanza and verse, what in the Constitution provides for it. Okay? Right. So how right. it has to pass a constitutional muster before you can suggest that it be a law. And this, they just try to get this in, out of committee, and they could, as long, as long as I know, I've been seeing probably four of these things happen in the last 20 years. And it can't get past uh, a subcommittee. Well, yeah. that's because of the people that are elected to office. And this is where Action Radio is going to come in. They're not doing their job, yeah. and they should be removed. Amen to that, brother. Yeah, this is where um, Action Radio is. Hey, Bill, hold on just a second here. Yeah, this is where Action Radio is going to come in, and we're hopefully going to build a, a coalition that can, you know, move these things. And if I can coordinate the talk show hosts, which is like herding cats, then uh, we can try some stuff from there. In well, thank you so much for calling. Yeah, go ahead, Jeff. No, I said herding cats in a rainstorm. Thank oh. you, Bill. Good talk. <laughs> yeah, Bill, Bill's a special man. He came to, to visit uh, me here in the studio, and so he is going to be a great asset. This man knows the Constitution. Uh, he's been a Marine. He's just a, just a fabulous person. It was my pleasure to meet. I'm going to talk to Clarence for a little bit here, and we're going to take a break after that. So, Clarence, here I'm with uh, Jeff Metcalf and Greg Penglis. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Clarence, good morning. When y'all got started, Jeff, well, that's when uh, we had the tea party. Uh, took a hold uh, because we in Brownville we had that Brownville revival starting about 1995, and uh, and it had a lot to do with putting uh, 2,000 put Bush in there with Calter Chad and all that stuff. Hey Clarence, Clarence, yeah. do, you have a, do you have a really specific question for Jeff because he has limited time this morning? So yeah, I do. Okay. And this is what I want to say to, to, to uh, I'm a conservative. I want to say it right quick. I'm a conservative, and separate church and state is an oxymoron. You can't take God out of nothing, especially in America, because America was started as a Christian nation. But what I do want to say that I want the Tea Party along the Tea Party line is that, just like in the days of Noah, make no mistake about it, we there. The same thing that happened to Noah when he was building the boat, it's already happened to America. America had let go where God put them at, and I'm, I'm going to say this right quick. What happened is that uh, the vice president said, I'm a Christian first. So God left the door open. Trump is a businessman first. So God left the door open for the church, and we are in a civil war with the media, with uh, the, the left-wing media, uh, uh, radicals. 
with the globalism, one world government. We in a civil war. Yeah. And the church had to rise up to the thing. So Jesus said, I'm going to send the property Elijah. Clarence? Because he knew, he knew y'all were going to be able to get the job there. Yeah, Clarence? Clarence, hang on. Yeah. Clarence, Clarence actually makes a really, really good point. Um, the media, you've been in media for years and years. How has it changed from, you know, what it used to be when they actually reported on the news to what we have now where they, they, they try to control the news, especially like what's happening with uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions? How has the media changed? And you being in media, you know, what, what, what have you observed? I'm a second-generation media guy. My, my, my dad started back in the 30s. Uh, I followed him around, and uh, you know, like he, like you said, I've been in the media for a long time. The way it's changed, a couple of things have changed. Uh, some, some significant, and some not so much. So, Walter Cronkite uh, is a real, real, real liberal, left-wing guy. Nobody ever knew that when he was on the air, because he was able to successfully separate his personal feelings from his reportage, and people, as a result of that, didn't know where he stood. Since probably the late 90s, we've moved toward more of uh, a newspaper used to be very specific. You got who, what, where, when in the body of the newspaper. And then you had an editorial page where commentators could express their views and opinions. And once upon a time, and this may sound odd to some kids today, but most cities had a couple of different newspapers with a couple of different perspectives. Right. Uh, there used to be a conservative uh, publication and a uh, liberal uh, publication. And you could read the same story in both papers and get a different spin on it. But if you read the front page on the basic news elements of it, you get the same stuff. Nowadays, not so much so. You can read a story in the Washington Times, which is conservative-leaning, and get one perspective on the Jeff Sessions situation and read the same story in the Washington Post, a very liberal publication, and get a totally different perspective because editorialists have insinuated themselves into uh, the publication, and it's even more blatant on television. Uh, it isn't so much initially, and it, it, it's kind of, again, this has happened incrementally. We haven't gotten in this mess overnight, and we're not going to get out of it overnight, but what's happened incrementally in television news reporting is you've had more and more of this uh, opinion insinuate itself, and not not like you know the Bill O'Reillys or the Sean Hannitys or the Tucker, not like those guys taking one position and uh, Maddow and uh, Chris Matthews and others taking a different position. What happens is the initial step in the wrong direction is by choosing what they won't report. I mean, yeah, by omission, yeah. are as powerful as a, co a commentator is, and in many ways more so because they decide what does and doesn't get included so by by excluding and i do it myself i i, I for like 25 years now i've been doing this daily triage of the news my page jeffbetjeff.com and i'll do it after i get off the air with you this morning okay is uh, a, a daily rundown of about a, anywhere from 12 to 16 stories uh collected from across the web i'll take stories from different publications and include a headline and probably a couple paragraphs, and then you can click on that link and go and read the story. But I do the same kind of editing that the Washington Post does. I choose what stories I want to include and what stories I don't want to include. So I'm not going to give Maxine Waters' perspective on anything because I don't think it's worth a 
you know, yellow hole in a Montana snowbank. You know, also, she's going to get her perspective from all the liberal media that's dominating right now anyway, so you don't have to. Well, she's dumber than a rock to begin with, so I... I, I oh, don't sugarcoat it, Jeff. Come on, how do you really feel? No, that's... <laughs> yeah. I, don't, yeah. don't get me going there. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, we're going to take a little break right now. Um, and what I want to do when we get back, I've got more topics to cover. I want to talk about national security, what you think of our current intelligence community, what they're doing. It's almost like their own little shadow government, and the state of our military readiness. So we'll do that when we come back. This is Greg Penglis on 1330 AM WEBY, Milton, Pensacola, and online at 1330WEBY.com. Um, Jeff, national security. Uh, you have some of the best national security people I've ever heard because uh, you have some really good intelligence sources. But what's going on with our intelligence community? Why are they pushing this Russian thing? Do we have like this secret um, cabal going on in intelligence? Are they still loyal to the Obama administration? And is there anything really to this, this Russian stuff we hear on the news every day? First off, there isn't anything to the Russian stuff you get in the news every day. I mean, it's a it's a headline without a story. I mean, there's nothing to it. I mean, you, 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 the senators, congressmen routinely meet. I mean, the, the, the internet is a flood with pictures now of uh, Democrats meeting with the same Russian ambassador that apparently was supposed to be some in, insidious uh, cabal master or something. It's bullfeathers. It's a crock. It doesn't mean jack spit. Uh, there's nothing to that. Now, so why is it being pushed then? Why are the Democrats pushing it? Is because it's convenient well, for them? Well, they don't have anything else, Greg. Right. I mean, the, the the Democrats are number one. They're in denial. Okay, what they should be doing right now is restructuring their party, looking for the next leaders, getting their stuff in one bag, and coming up with a strategy for, uh, on a issue by issue basis, challenging the opposition rather than going about this venial, petty, mendacious bullcrap that they're doing, of picking at every tiny little scab that erupts on the surface of the Republican Party and the Trump administration. It's, it, 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 it's number one, it looks bad. I mean, it, you get Democrats who are embarrassed with the stuff's going on. The, that Those white suits in the, the sitting down during the, uh, the homage to the, the widow. I mean, all this stuff, I don't know who... It, who comes up with these ideas? Because it makes them look bad. The reason that Trump got elected is because more of the people thought that... And, and by the way, let me just address one thing real briefly for those two or three uh, liberals that are listening to your program <laughs> and say, well, Hillary won the popular vote. Take a look. There is no popular vote. It doesn't matter. Take a look at the county-by-county county breakdown yeah. of the United States of America and the election you're going to see a flood of red, and what you're going to see is the same thing that you see every year in an election cycle. You're going to see blue stripes along the densely populated regions of the West Coast and the East Coast. New England, New York, New Jersey, maybe down to Maryland and D.C., you're going to see blue. On the West Coast, you're going to see California down to San Diego. Uh, You're going to see drops of it here and there across the country, but the overwhelming predominance of color on the map is going to be red. Yeah. And it's been that way because 
county by county, which, by the way, is the reason that the Electoral College was crafted by the framers. They didn't want a heavily populated area like, say, Virginia, to be able to dominate and enforce their will on a small state like Rhode Island. Yeah. They wanted states' rights, Tenth Amendment stuff. So each state, the United States of America, and this is something people lose sight of, as originally conceived, and as still appears on paper, the United States of America is a federation of individual states who come together. Individual states functioning autonomously. That was the original plan. Yeah, the states are like they countries, came, you know, the, like independent countries almost. Yeah, they came together as a countries for uh, national security, protection, yada, yada, yada. But... Uh, the Tenth Amendment is another thing you need to sink your teeth into. We're going to talk about and that, and I'm sure I'm going to have you back on that. And don't, yeah. let, and don't let go. Yeah. You, um, you wanted to ask about uh, military readiness, too. because I want to do that after a break. i got a couple more intelligence questions for you. Because okay. Were you involved in the Defense Intelligence Agency or any of the intelligence agencies? Only tangentially through my Special Forces uh, experience. Okay. So for what you can tell us, uh, I think there are 17 intelligence agencies. Do we have a, as good an intelligence system as we could? Are people, like I say, still loyal to Obama who are messing things up for President Trump? What's, what's really going on in there? That's part of the problem. And I saw a story in the Washington Times this morning uh, while I was waiting for your call that there's elements within the Bush administration that are encouraging him to purge his staff of the Obama leftovers, and um, I think that's part of the problem. I saw a story yesterday that apparently some of these leaks are coming from some former Obama guy. There's one story floating around the ether that if or when there's an investigation into Sessions or an effort to pursue perjury charges, which are going to go nowhere, uh, it would be led by a prosecutor from the Obama. What are these people even doing there? I mean, they need to, and I understand like the GS-14s and stuff, they that they're locked in by uh, selective service, uh, by, by civil service, and they have to be protected. Find a hole for them somewhere, but don't put them in a position where they can undermine. And, and i got to tell you, it, you, they talk about treason and stuff. All of these jokers, the story about Valerie Jarrett, and they're going to run this uh, headquarters out of his home to undermine the Trump administration, that's flipping treason right there. Yep. Okay, These people took the same oath that... Trump took to preserve and protect the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And for these SOBs to turn around and all of a sudden become the domestic enemies, they should be indicted, they should be uh, tried, and they should go to the Stony Lonesome for that kind of mendacious behavior. Now, uh, loyal opposition, cool. Yeah. You know, I, I've been part of that for a long time. And if they want to oppose Trump on a matter of policy and stuff, that's fine. That's certainly within the constitutional right. But when they violate their oath of office, yep. and they're, they're, they're pledged to protect the Constitution by specifically undermining it for partisan, petty reasons, you've got to hang the SOBs. Yeah. One more quick question, then we're going to take a break here. We have 17 intelligence agencies. Do we need 17 intelligence agencies? Probably. Okay. Let's go more into that. We, just, what, yeah, go ahead. What, we, what we don't have that we need is more cooperation and sharing of information between them. Okay, Rick, we're going to take on uh, line three right now. This is Greg Penglis with Jeff Metcalf. need to make a really quick point because we're limited on time. Certainly. Good morning. Great show. Thank um, you. so excited. It's refreshing. 
Uh, great job, Jeff. It's amazing. Um, Thank you. I, I just want to make a very clear throw it out there and let you guys take it. Make no mistake, everybody working in these upper agencies, like the CIA, with Brennan as the best example of a traitor, uh, the NSA, etc., they've all been involved in the laundering of money, operating and assisting through the Clinton Foundation. They're all at risk for going to prison. Let us remember that it was ISA that refused to put Holder in jail for his contempt. Remember, Congress held him in contempt, and he refused the special prosecutor. But now he's demanding one for these fake Russian claims, which are absurd. This so-called ambassador was even at the joint session with the Democrats. Okay, and we have to remember these things. And they're scared to death about things like JASTA, the 9-11 investigation, Clinton Foundation, banks, money laundering. Wow. Um, we got a lot of topics, Rick. Yeah. Do you have a specific question? Do you have a specific question for Jeff? These are the issues. What do you have to say about this, Jeff? Well, you, you, you're, you're correcting your observations. And uh, the people who were fearful of things, you know, the wild card in all of this for a very, very long time, it's been, uh, in, regardless of what party was in power, you had kind of a institutional group thing whereby the, the stuff that you're talking about and the stuff that Greg's going to be talking about and the stuff that is, is shared in uh, constitutionally conservative-type media gets ignored. And the wild card here is, and is, I'm going to tell you, it's driving the Republican establishment elite as crazy as it is the Chuck Schumers, Maxine Waters, and Nancy Pelosi's. Donald Trump's a wild card. If or when the mainstream media or his own party digs in their heels and is reluctant or reticent to articulate a, a wrong, he's going to pick up his little – now, I, I got a problem with his, his tweeting, okay? I think he needs a filter for that. <laughs> but the, 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 the fact that he has uh, established this, this method of basically saying, well, well, wait a minute. These guys aren't telling you, but here's the deal. That's driving the, the institutional types absolutely bat excrement crazy. They're, they're pulling the hair out because they don't have any way of controlling this guy. Now, that's a blessing and a curse, okay? I think it's great. But one of the things it is doing is it's exposing the mainstream to their, to their mendacity, okay? The fact that they have been reluctant uh, or flat-out unwilling to share certain things with the American people. The fourth estate is supposed to be there to keep government honest. Yeah. We're not supposed to have any in government who has to assume the responsibility of keeping the fourth estate honest. Yeah, we've got a really <laughs> short time left. I want to just get one point in before you go. You made a fascinating thing saying that we're not on the rating system for our, our military. You have 58 undeployable brigades right now. So can you really tell me, current state of the military, what's going on? Well, every single unit in the military from company company level on, on up has an annual IG inspection. It's something that as a commander we always used to say, oh, this is that thing again. <laughs> uh, the, the fact that, there is, that we have so many units that aren't combat ready is not only a sin, it, it's flipping dangerous. How did that happen? What that, what that, well, how, the way it happens through two weeks. Number one, uh, Obama's out, outrageous under... Uh, under-providing for the military. Uh, I mean, he, he's done a lot of things through, you know, bad rules of engagement and everything else. Uh, we're at a point right now where our enemies don't fear us and our allies don't trust us. Uh, all that's on Obama, okay? But the way the military has fallen into 
the, the miserable state of readiness that stuff is right now is twofold. Number one. Yeah, you know what? We're actually not going to have time for that. We have to go and just. Dangerously cool. So meanwhile, back at present day, that's how it was back then. Uh, I, it was my third day on radio. Uh, my timing wasn't quite there. I should have, uh, you know, my producer, uh, you know, we weren't uh, accordioning music like we did later to let me know when time was running out. Uh, and it's just, uh, you know, you, you get better. You, you know, I still do some, too many ahs and uhs and things like that, but I'm still working on that. But as far as uh, just basic timing of radio and coordinating guests and callers and, you know, getting folks to, to say what they need to say once. And then once they start repeating themselves, like, Hey, thanks for your call. They really appreciate it. Um, it was different then because we had so many commercials and we had so many breaks. Whereas here I don't here. I can take breaks when I feel like it. Uh, so it's a very, uh, very different uh, kind of thing. So I've got a couple of things to play for you. We're going to take a continue our break here. Uh, it's 9.07. We've got uh, just the rest of this hour to go. I've got an article for you, or if we get a bunch of people, got a new uh, person on uh, live chat. Uh, so if we have some more folks join us and you have issues you want to talk about, that's always more fun than me reading more articles. <laughs> it just is. So, Pianchi, if you want to call back, uh, my person here, uh, uh, someone from Northwest Media. Well, that's interesting, on live chat. Feel free. Enter and sign in, please, and you want to give me a call, 215-383-3832. In the meantime, be right back. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force. Your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website right your laws so you can get your energy drink a 20% discount and help action radio change the relationship of we the people to our government not bad strike force is at strikeforceenergy.com that's strikeforceenergy.com start your engine Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. And if you want to help us out, there's always a subscription to Substack which would help. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. 
think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. We are back. What's left of this week, which is only what's nine eleven. <laughs> this is an interesting time. Nine eleven has a little significance in our history here. Uh, so we got now until the top of the hour, ten o'clock, and that's Central Time. And so please feel free to call me two one five three eight three three eight three two. We have live chats open anywhere in the world. All you have to do is get yourself a free account uh, by signing in. We've got a new person uh, on the line too. Uh, so feel free to type in a message. Um, controversial is good. You know, rude and disgusting is not. This is pretty simple. Um, and the Skype line, I still I keep forgetting to do that. I got so much stuff I have to do. I was doing emails yesterday trying to get more guests on the show. So it's been busy. Things are, are kind of crazy here. So Pianchi, if you want to call back, feel free. Anybody else wants to call in. This is normally uh, the hour that cowgirl Candace has as we talk about Believe the Journey. And so she's on a journey and uh, the rest of us are kind of taking along. So it's kind of fun. All right. So the legislation you want to look at, the most important bills that we are uh, uh, putting out there are the same ones we've had for a while. Vaccine product liability, uh, ending big tech censorship, um, a constitutional amendment to uh, take away the power of Congress to borrow money. Uh, we have a bill that would uh, eliminate any withholding of your income until you've earned your standard deduction amount. Uh, we have a bill that gets uh, rid of uh, drug advertising, uh, prescription drug advertising uh, on media, except to you know, health professionals. And we have a bill that disarms all the bureaucrats, all 287,000 uh, federally armed uh, infantry bureaucrats that have no constitutional authority to be armed. And that would take care of the FBI, KGB, CIA, you know, all those kind of folks when operating domestically. Foreign is different. That's, 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 that's <laughs> their country's problem. But uh, a lot of things that are happening now. And you find those at writeyourlaws.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. Click on legislation, which is on the menu bar. Go down three, click on all proposed laws, and that's where you'll find the bill that you can copy the links to and send to Congress, state legislators, local governments, uh, and any media uh, that you can, and particularly pollsters. I want to get some of these issues um, in the polls. So that's the legislative stuff you can do. Uh, still trying to get to uh, Mac Gates. I've visited his office. I have communicated with them. Uh, I want to get an appointment. I want to get him back on the show so we can talk about some of these things with a member of Congress like we used to do back when I was at WBY. So again, that interview is six years old. Uh, actually over six years old now. It's kind of funny, but that was my third day in radio, and now I'm in my sixth year, so things are quite different. All right, so last little bit, what I want to talk about here, I found uh, an, a Substack article. Um, I love Substack because I write for it, and so I'm there at uh, gregpenglis.substack.com, and this one is, is Unacceptable Jessica, and Unacceptable Jessica has a column called Making Sense of the Past Three Years, What Might Be Coming and What We Can Do About It. 
And so this is written April 16th. So by Jessica Rose, that's R O S E. So current stuff, just, um, you know, I've had this article for, you know, it's on my computer for a couple of weeks, but uh, now I get a chance to maybe a week or so get to it. She says, this article is going to be my own attempt at making sense of the past three years. Feel free to write comments, which I, I think I've done. If I haven't, I'm going to. I want to hear your interpretations. I have broken this article down into a prologue and five subsequent parts in pictures and words. Well, obviously, this is radio, so I'll give you the words. The pictures you can find yourself by going to Substack and going to Unacceptable Jessica, just like it sounds. Uh, and if, I, if you click on the pictures, you'll be taken to the linked website. So, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. First, her prologue, the end game. The end game is conversion of the majority of human beings into workers. And by workers, I mean this, uh, this as an entomologist world, uh, would. The workers or ergates, <laughs> never heard that word, uh, diner gates uh, in a colony being ants uh, do the work. They are sterile and they work for the benefit and survival of the queen, who is fertile, and the lucky disposable guy, also fertile, uh, that mates with her to ensure the propagation of the species. This is awesome for ants. Not so much for human beings. Human beings are not ants. The play out of the endgame goes beyond dehumanization of human beings, but certainly requires it. In my eyes, the aim is to systematically remove the individual component of the human being, which is something we talk about on the show here all the time. The source of creation and creativity, the spirit. We've already seen this reveal itself in the past three years. The systematic nature of the conversion will be sleight of hand, pretty much undetectable by most. I might even go so far as to say that the masses will ask for it without even knowing that they are. Not many of my readers will disagree with that statement, I think. We shall, we all uh, see it. What really bothers me about this endgame are the soulless harpies that think that they deserve the roles of queen or king. They don't. They've demonstrated a clear lack of creativity, intelligence, leadership, compassion, courage, honesty, all of the good things that comprise a human being. If you think about it, we're already in a soulless harpy royal toilet since we are all pretty much slaves to the entirely outdated notions of the so-called kings and queens of modern times. Maybe once upon a time, a man was worthy of being called a king and a female was worthy of being called a queen, but not anymore. These roles have been stolen by imposters. Let me get to the five parts. Social media is rank stank full of nothing much more than the five parts posted below. From trans movements to CBDCs, I guess that's, uh, that's the bank, that's the uh, central bank uh, something currency, digital currency. There we go. They're all inextricably linked to the fourth part, the WHO, UN, uh, Gates-driven <laughs> descriptive plan to destroy sovereignty of self and nation. This fourth part, the Pandemic Preparedness Treaty, is something you need to prioritize reading about. I mean, the most important thing that you need to do today is to read about this treaty. Don't just think about it. Do it. If this treaty goes through, it's over. Please go to this website to learn about what they have done so far and what they plan to do very soon. Well, I disagree. I don't think it's over because that has no authority. It only has authority if people believe it. And since I don't, and hopefully millions more won't, uh, there's no reason to comply with something that has no authority, and it certainly can't be enforced by the U.S. government. If it does, we got a problem. We'll see what happens. That's why they do mandates with guns, you know, for people like us who object to it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Back to the article. As a prelude, they write this. The intergovernmental negotiating body tasked with drafting and negotiating this international instrument will hold its next meeting by August 1st, 2022. Wait a minute. When was this written? April 16, 2023. Okay, so this is from... Uh, 
I guess this is different. This hold its next meeting by August 1st, 2022 to discuss progress on a working draft. It will then deliver a progress report to the 76th World Health Assembly in 2023. Okay, there we go. With the aim to adopt the instrument by 2024. Phew, ain't going to happen. Not if I can help it. <laughs> anyway, then she says they aren't moving slowly. They have already held some creepy meetings with their handpicked bureaucrat bunch, and they plan to implement in 2024. That's soon. We can stop it, however. I'll round about... Uh, back to the, you know, I'll round about back to this and weave in and out of it throughout this article. This is going to say on COVID-19 with a link to the CDC, COVID-19 vaccines and boosters and all kinds of other charities. There, there we go. Then she says the first part of the play out uh, of the end game is COVID-19. I've been through the washer on this and as most of us have been for the last three years. So many questions. What was it? A virus? Was it made in a lab? Are there injections killing us? Why would they make an injection that wouldn't be safe? How can they so readily coordinate the locking up of the people of the world? Why are so many good people being marginalized and silenced for simply doing what they always have in science? (laughs) That includes talk show hosts like me. (laughs) Then it says, why have the pharmaceutical companies made so much profit off the suffering of so many people? Why is the VAERS data and other pharmacovigilance data being ignored or even made out uh, to be irrelevant? Why aren't casualty assessments or PRR, I'm not sure what that is, or Bayesian assessments being done at HHS, which is Health and Human Services, FDA, Food and Drug Administration, or CDC, Center for Disease, you know, I guess <laughs> they say control, but it's more like uh, Center for Disease, you know, um, passing out. Anyway, I'll, I'll think of a new acronym. Next thing, so many very unanswered questions. What was done to us? In response, a handful of people decided that it was a good idea based on atrociously bad predictive models to lock everyone up in a way to, quote, flatten the curve. Well, what the hell was that anyway? What curve? They lied so hard about how long that crap was going to last. Again, I have the CDC chart that proves that COVID uh, started, the death started in in, uh, early February, peaked April 15th, and we're pretty much heading for zero by mid-July of 2020. So this started in 2020, it ended in 2020, everything after that is propaganda, government-imposed tyranny, uh, mask mandates, vaccine mandates, and government-imposed death. It has nothing to do with COVID. COVID ended mid-July of 2020. I've got the CDC chart to prove it. And if you don't believe me, go to gregpenglis.substack.com, look at my article that says the CDC chart that proves COVID ended mid-2020, mid-July 2020. It's right there. I'm not hiding this stuff. All the evidence is out there. Just go look it up. Simple. I'll wait. Do, 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 do. Now, I better go on with the show. Here we go. Airports were closed. We were isolated. We were terrorized. Our loved ones were isolated. Yeah, we talked about that yesterday with Marie Clark. We were forced to close our businesses. Our elders were left alone in deplorable conditions to die alone and terrified. Yep, talked about that yesterday. Our mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers, we were terrorized. We were beaten. We were chased. We were forced to give up personal information and details. We were imposed upon in ways that are not acceptable. It was enforced. Yeah, yeah we objected to that and rebelled constantly. Article says, what made extra no, no sense to me was the fact that the thug cash in riot gear was already dressed up and ready to go uh, to beat down civilians on command. When did they manufacture all this riot gear? When did they train these people? How was this all coordinated so effortlessly? It was all pre-planned. That's how. What else happened? Well, because there was no such thing as an immune system as of 2020, (laughs) many were forced slash coerced to be injected with an as yet experimental non-FDA approved product that was by no means a conventional vaccine. 
The messenger RNA products are transfection technology. That's a new word for me. I'm not sure what that means. Transfection. I guess that's trans and infection kind of put together. Transfection technology in lipid nanoparticle coating. Okay, lipids are fats. Nanoparticles are really tiny. So these are really tiny things that are covered with fat. Okay. Then it says, we were told that we all had to get injected lest we all be murderers. There were no treatments. There was no help and definitely no immune system. Only the injections, the experimental injections. Remember when I used to say on the show, all roads lead to vaccines? Peter McCullough picked that up, I guess, a year and a half later. But I, I, way back, 2020, early 2020, I said, well, this is wrong. That's when I started calling uh, Fauci Dr. Fascist. I said, this is wrong. We already had cures. We had treatments. You don't need vaccines. That's stupid. Why would, you, why would you try and create a vaccine that takes at least 15 years to be, quote, safe and effective, even though they're actually never safe and effective? Uh, but why would you... Uh, but at that point, I still thought that maybe, you know, after 15 years of trials, well, maybe it would be okay. I don't think any of them are okay now. Uh, that, that's my evolution. But the point is that you don't start on a project that takes 15 years for a virus that's already here. That's stupid. That's irrational. Unless you already know that the, the virus isn't that big a deal because you created it. See, that's, the evidence, that's more evidence that they created it because they weren't worried. By the way, has anybody noticed um, the fact that no major politician has died of COVID? Has anybody noticed that? I mean, people have gotten it who got the jab, like Trump. But no major politician in either party, uh, in Congress, in the state legislatures, I can't think of a single major politician that has been affected by COVID that it killed them. Or the COVID jab, for that matter. <laughs> have you noticed that? No major politician has died of a COVID jab. You know, nobody's talking about prematurely dying of a stroke or all that kind of stuff. Hasn't happened. Why? Because I don't think anybody in government took the jab because I think they knew better. You want to talk about a conspiracy? Here's a conspiracy theory for you. I think there's a conspiracy of government people to not take the jab. I don't know how they knew. I don't know how they figured it out. I don't know if a memo went out. Don't take the jab. It's only for civilians, not government people. Of course, government people are civilians. But how is it that not a single person, in fact, none of their families are either. Name one politician whose kids you know, died suddenly from a COVID jab. Can't think of one. Why? Because they're the elite. They didn't take the jab. They knew better. So there's a question for you. How did they knew better? How did they know better? Where, where's the investigative reporter that wants to start knocking on doors and say, how come you guys uh, didn't take the jab? Well, uh, well, we are too valuable. We uh, did some research. We have a family health plan. Our doctor didn't recommend it. Really? How come, how come everybody else's doctor did? <laughs> okay. So that's what I'm wondering. How come no major politicians uh, nor their family members have died of the COVID jab when all kinds of other people have? Let's let's. Oh, there's Sarge. Hey, Sarge, how you doing? Uh, if you want to call in after I've done my rant, then uh, then feel free. We can talk about hogs. Um, but uh, otherwise, I'm kind of on. a Well, it's up to you. Call in if you want to or not. I can always hold this up, pick it up Monday. But that's my question. So let's talk about this being pre-planned. It was all pre-planned. Then she says, what else happened? Well, because there's no such thing as an immune. Okay, I already read that. Oh, here we go. Let's, well, let me pick it up. What else happened? Well, because there was no such thing as an immune system as of 2020, many were forced, coerced to be injected with an as yet experimental, non-FDA-approved product that was by no means a conventional vaccine. I already read that part, so let's pick it up there. Uh, there were no treatments, there was no help, and definitely no immune system. Only the injections, the experimental injections. Okay, this is where I left it off. But it was an emergency. Death, emergency, anti-vaxxer. Green Pass, we were told to go home if we couldn't breathe and to seek medical attention only at the blue lip stage. Of course, that's never happened before, right? You always get early treatments. That's just basic medicine. That's how I knew this was a fraud. Telling people to wait until they were really sick before going to the hospital. I knew this was a fraud. 
because you don't do that. You get treatment as soon as you can. You got a problem, you get treatment immediately. That might mean bed rest. That might mean, you know, more vitamin C, vitamin D. That might mean, you know, now, as we know, hydroxychloroquine, zinc, azithromycin, vitamin D3, and vitamin C. That's the, the, the Zelenko protocol. Well, you know, take, even if you take that stuff anyway, it's still good. For, it's not going to hurt you. <laughs> you know, let's take an overdose of hydroxychloroquine or zinc, which you can't do. But in the recommended uh, quantities, even if you didn't have COVID, you still would have been fine. If you did, you would have been uh, treated and, and cured, except in rare cases. All right. That we all know to be true. Uh, but we didn't know that. Back, well, I knew back then because I had Zelenko on the show. So I, I kind of, uh, you know, gave you folks the, uh, the, the early early treatment news. All right. Then it says, uh, experimental injections. We were told to go home if we couldn't breathe. There we go. Anyway, she says in that scenario, the protocol was executed in the hospital setting, pardon the pun, where remdesivir was administered and vents were inserted into orifices. That's ventilators were inserted in orifices and people died there. Okay. And we've talked about this a whole lot. And there's a reason we've talked about this a whole lot. Because we just had Rebecca Charles on, I think, Wednesday. We had Marie Clark on Thursday. They were both on last Friday. Uh, Rebecca, whose daughter was killed by hospital protocols. Uh, Scott Shera, whose daughter was killed by hospital protocols. Marie Clark, who was almost killed by hospital protocols. She was given remdesivir. Fortunately, she survived, probably because she drank a whole bunch of water. Apparently, what they do with remdesivir is they dehydrate you so the remdesivir acts a lot faster and people die. And then they can't breathe. And then their the lungs fill up with fluid from the remdesivir because their kidneys fail. Then they put them on a ventilator, and the ventilator kills them. Ventilators killed, what, 80 to 90% of the people that were put on them? So it was the, this is a Holocaust. We've talked about that before. This is a medical Holocaust where the, the hospitals became the gas chambers of, of Auschwitz. It's the same exact thing. People went to the hospital. They knew they were going to die. The hospitals programmed them to die. They got remdesivir. Their lungs filled with fluid. They were put on a ventilator, and they were killed. It's just that simple. Now, I went to the hospital for open heart surgery back in 2017. My chest filled up uh, with fluid because of blood thinners, which I will never take again for any reason whatsoever. I don't care. Uh, I almost suffocated to death. I came within maybe two days of suffocating to death because my right lung was collapsed. My left lung was about half collapsed, and I couldn't breathe. And then by the time I got to the hospital, it was, oh, your chest is filling up with fluid. I said, we're going to take it out, but we can't take it out until the blood thinners you know, get out of your system. Otherwise, it's going to defeat the purpose. So that was the problem. So they couldn't drain my chest because of uh, blood thinners. So once the blood thinners had dissipated for a few days, then they took the fluid out over two days. Now, they were going to do it over three days, but I said, no, we're going to take it all. By the second day, I'm like, you're going to take all this fluid out of my chest, right? So they took four and a half liters out. One point, uh, one and a half liters the first day, three liters the second day. Do you know how much three liters is? Have you ever seen a two-liter bottle? Well, add another liter to that. That's how much fluid came out of my chest through the back, through a six-inch needle. You think I want to go back for a third day for that? No. But what was the difference? Well, the difference was with me, when my chest filled with fluid, they took the fluid out. What they did under COVID was they put people on ventilators and killed them. Thank God, and I do thank God, that uh, I didn't have open heart surgery during the time of COVID, or they would have put me on a ventilator too and killed me. And I wouldn't be here. There'd be no action radio. So, you know, uh, we, we really have God on our side here, I mean, I, and, I, and I mean that seriously. But, uh, you know, I, had this happened earlier, I would have been killed. I mean, later. I mean, I guarantee, you know, pretty much guarantee it. My chest full of fluid, I, was, I would have got the same thing everybody else got. You know, well, let's get your ventilator. Let's blow that fluid out, you know, and it, it doesn't. So there's the, this is how I knew it was also a, a killing factory. Because with me, they took the fluid out, my lungs cleared, and my chest was fine, and my lungs reinflated, and off I went. Well, why didn't they do that with the COVID people? And what if they had to drain their fluid several times? So your, fluid, your, your chest is filling with fluid. You take the fluid out. Well, of course, they, they didn't want that to happen. They wanted people on the ventilators to kill them because they made money on it. 
the, the, the Center for Medicaid Services that pays 130000 That's why people were killed. So we talked about this yesterday with Marie Clark. You've got to get yesterday's show. You've got to get Wednesday's show, and you've got to get last Friday's show. If you want to know what this is all about, about how the hospitals were, were killing people. Now, here's what's happened. People are now the, – the, the grief is, is subsiding, and the, and the anger and revenge is, is coming on strong. So you've got Rebecca Charles with her website, deathbyhospitalprotocol.com, which you should all go to, especially if you have a story of a loved one lost. Some of them met with uh, Team Trump. And they told them, they said, look, you've got 40 million people in this country who lost a loved one who was killed by their hospital with remdesivir and a ventilator, what we call here the, the remdesivir ventilator death march. So you've already got that. That's what's going on. And that's what is, I don't know if it's still happening as much as it did, but that's what happened 2021, 2022, uh, and probably uh, early. I don't, know I don't know if it's still happening. I think people are wising up because COVID's gone away pretty much. COVID was gone mid-2020. Everything after that is just propaganda. Uh, and maintaining the, the virus through fear. They had to have people die, so people were scared into taking the, the, the jab. And, of course, the jab is what's killing people now. So who knows what, how it all works. But um, during those dark days of 2021 uh, and 2022, when the hospitals were killing people, my webmaster was killed a year ago, February. Uh, my friend, uh, Dr. Peter Pry, uh, I believe, was killed by the COVID jab. Uh, got it. Um, he died last August. He got the COVID jab six months before that. I mean, it's classic patterns. Cancer came roaring back and he died. So this is personal for me. This, is, this isn't just, I'm not just kind of talking here for no reason. I've lost personal friends, valuable personal friends to hospital death camps. I don't kind of like that term, hospital death camps. I'm going to, start, I'm going to use that more often. So you're going to go to the hospital death camp? What? Hospital, I'm going to tell Rebecca about that. Hospital death camp. Because that's what they are. You check in, but you don't check out. So much for modern medicine. Let's get back to the article. People lost jobs or people kept their jobs and felt soulless for doing something they did not want to do. Or worse, they got injured. People lost loved ones. People are still getting mocked and demonized for doing the right thing. That would be us at Action Radio. Uh, Taking the shot for the team, getting injured, and then being called an anti-vaxxer. Hey, let's for the record, I'm an anti-vaxxer. Let's talk about that. Uh, For asking if the shot caused a heart attack. People lost faith. People lost friends. People lost hope. People lost their savings. Didn't I just go over that? <sighs> Let me read this one part again from the previous paragraph. In that scenario, the protocol was executed in the hospital setting where remdesivir was administered and ventilators were inserted and people died there. That's exactly what happened. So I'm not the only one saying this, okay? A lot of folks are saying it. And then we talk about the last line of the next paragraph. People lost faith. People lost friends. People lost hope. People lost their savings. Back to the article. What else happened? People lost their businesses. People lost their homes. People had their money stolen in the form of bank account seizures. That was up in Canada. People had their lives ruined by others that they had called colleagues for decades simply for not taking a shot. People lost their medical licenses for reporting adverse events. We had eight, remember we had 18 weeks of the world's greatest doctors panel? All of those folks refused to give jabs or take jabs. And I think some of them lost their, their, their medical licenses or were severely censured or had to fight to keep their licenses. Um, so 18 weeks Look up on Action Radio, World's Greatest Doctors Panel, Dr. Mikevitz, Dr. Thorpe, uh, Dr. Artis, Dr. Marble, uh, guest doctors, Christian Northrup, um, different folks. We had our, our health advocates, uh, Priscilla Romans, a bunch of different people. Um, who is it from uh, Lindell TV? Uh, I think of his name. Anyway, we've now Gregory Wrightstone, uh, CO2 Coalition, comparing the lies of COVID to the lies of climate change. Same lies. They just insert different uh, 
uh, different descriptive terms, but basically they're lying about it the same way. The cure for both cases is socialism. What else we got here now? All right, what else happened? Here we go. What else happened? Playgrounds were taped up and sprayed with poison. Oh, yeah. Um, DeSantis did that. For those that forget Dictator DeSantis in the early parts of COVID, Governor Dictator, as I used to call him, Dictator DeSantis, closed the parks, closed the schools, closed the beaches, and closed the and told, told us we'd be safer at home, which is ridiculous because that's where most of the transfers of, of disease take place in the home. Why? Because you have people of like genetic makeup there. Of course they're going to transfer it. And people being cooped up in the home get isolated, stressed out, anxious, and their immune system drops. So the home is the worst thing you can do is to isolate people in their homes. No, get out in the fresh air, get out in the sunshine, go to the beach, play, be physically active, be healthy. That's what would have stopped COVID a whole lot faster. But you see, the part, see the, the, what people have never really talked about is that the government policies were designed not to stop COVID, but to keep it. The government policies were designed to preserve COVID in time for the jab. So all those mandates that came in in the summer of 2020, the masks, the school closures, the home isolation, the closer businesses, the lockdowns, lockdowns of churches, the isolation, the confusion, the stress, the immunity uh, suppression, you know, the, the, the increase in addictions and suicide and abusive behavior and sexual assaults and child abuse, all those things were intentional to preserve COVID. Go ahead, challenge me. I dare you. Go ahead. I'll wait. You know, type something in, uh, you know, put something on live chat. Feel free. I don't care. Call the show. You want to challenge me? Seeing none, I shall continue because I know I'm right. <sighs> Back to the article. People's, uh, here we go. People's doors were welded shut. Yeah, that, oh, here we go. What else happened? Playgrounds were taped up and sprayed with poison. Beaches were sprayed with bleach destroying uh, entire ecosystems. <clears throat> People's doors were welded shut. That was in China. People were sprayed with strange mists. People were told to stand on stupid stickers with feet drawn to ensure they weren't anywhere near hugging distance. How much did these stupid stickers cost? How many times were trees destroyed for that BS? Of course, they use the real world in the article. Real word. It says, and this, here's a little thing. Psst. Trees make oxygen. Riot cops beat up civilians. Protesting became illegal. Going to the sea was banned. Going to the park was banned. Hugging a friend was banned. Traveling was banned. By whom? Who allowed this? Who gave the order? I'll give you a hint. It's the same ass you-know-whats uh, in number four. <laughs> people complied. See, that was the problem. It's not that the, the biggest problem wasn't that the orders were given. The biggest problem was that people complied. Instead of resisting, saying, no, this is America. We're not going to do that. But people didn't. And that's the problem. Back to the article. What else happened? People committed suicide because they couldn't see a way out of their depression and loss. People lost their families due to division. People lost, yeah, remember the holiday dinners? All right. People lost the right to decide what is best for their own children. People were tortured. Tortured. Look this up. It's not an understatement. Children were targeted. Children were targeted. Yeah, because uh, Marie talks about that. Marie talked about it yesterday being tortured. Denied food and water. Kept in a dark place. Uh, denied anything cleanliness uh, related, anything uh, that would uh, you know, be safe and sanitary in the hospital, she was tortured because they expected her to die, so it didn't matter. Listen to the show yesterday. She was on for two hours. Back to the article. Children were targeted. The bottom line here is that is the, is the COVID thing was a setup. It was the first round to test compliance levels. Yeah, and uh, people failed miserably. Not action radio people all the folks out there that complied. Article says it was the scene setting for the next step designed to normalize the abnormal. Myocarditis in kids, sure. Healthy young adults, dropping dead, no problem. Gagging your face with surgical masks, ah, I was born with it. Having to show papers 
to eat out. Perfectly fine. It worked very well. People are still walking around outside with masks. There are so many out there still absolutely unaware that the whole thing was a farce. They are still completely unaware that viruses, which left the hell alone, are an essential part of our existence. 8% of our genome are retroviruses. They are not to be eliminated. Anyone who claims to have a desire to eliminate viruses has no idea about biology and is doing nothing but putting sheer ignorance on display. It is up to us to point, that, uh, to point at it and them and laugh. See, I don't know about that. I have to look, I have to look it up now. Why are viruses essential? Uh, especially retroviruses. Judy Mikevist talks about retroviruses all the time. Now I have to find out. I know about viruses. I looked them up. Then I looked up retroviruses. Then it says, here's my latest testimony to the National Citizenry, Citizens Inquiry uh, that will sober you up and make you laugh. Okay, so you have to go to the article. Uh, so I'll give the article again. Uh, let, me, let me do it again. Uh, article is Making Sense of the Past Three Years, Unacceptable Jessica on Substack. So go to uh, her site is Jessica... Uh, R, Jessica R. Dot, that'd be Jessica Rose, Jessica R. Substack.com, making sense of the past three years. Easy to find. Always quote my sources because I always like to give credit where credit is due, as I assume others will do when they quote me and steal my show <laughs> and post my articles all over the place. Anyway, that's kind of interesting. All right, so back to the article. Let's, the next one, number two. Hopefully I can get, well, I, I'm going to stick around until I finish this article today because I think it's that good. Um, so let's put this all in one podcast. Part two. Trans protesting. This one's two part. Part one, the flagrant demonstrations on social media have nothing to do with the trans community. I think their actual members would probably be the first to agree. The movement or protesters or virtue signalers or whatever you want to call them is the same group of people who are paid to create discord and violence for the cameras for all the other stuff being pumped up by the legacy media. Ignore them. They will go away. The people who run out of vans dressed up in masks and black have one goal to start fights that weren't there. Whether they are claiming to care so much about black lives, women's lives, babies' lives, gay lives, trans lives, beavers' lives, whatever, it's all the same paid goons, and their goal is to create discord within and among subpopulations where there is likely none. You know, they used to say this about the, um, when, I, when I was looking into the, the, um, uh, the militia communities several years ago, I was, doing, I was writing articles, and I contacted the folks at the militia of Montana and some of the other militia groups in California, and I was curious, militia of Michigan, and they all said the same thing. They said, the way you know the feds, they're the ones that want to blow things up. They're the ones that are trying to encourage illegal acts. They're the ones that want you to do uh, soft rifle barrels so they're below the, the federal uh, limit. So, so the agent provocateurs, as they're called, it's easy to find the feds. Look at Ray Epps. They knew it was the fed when he said we have to go into the Capitol. The guy standing beside him, fed, 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 fed. They knew he was a fed. Of course he's a fed. Who else would want to uh, break the law and encourage people to do that and not be uh, arrested themselves? See, he was never arrested, right? That's how you know he's a fed, all right? You know he's a fed because he tried to encourage people to do something illegal, which is called entrapment. So nobody, should, nobody who listened to Ray Epps should be in jail because uh, that was entrapment, all right? And, and entrapment is a legitimate defense. Look at the folks that uh, supposedly were trying to kidnap Gretchen Widmer, the governor of Michigan. That was entrapment. They weren't trying anything of the kind. The only people trying to push that were government agents. Back to the article. See, it was, you know, this is the last sentence that I didn't get to. It's to see it for what it is and look it in the eye and tell it to bugger off, <laughs> whatever form it takes. That's a British expression. Look it up. Back to the article, too. All of the anger that we all feel for being duped, lied to, meddled with, and stolen from needs to be aimed at the real perpetrators. This is how we can mess up their endgame end goal by actually being 
uh, in this together. Okay, that's what I've been trying to encourage in Action Radio since it started. Okay, we, we were never duped here. We had this figured out in two weeks. We knew February 25th when uh, Bill Gertz, Washington Times, came on and told us about the Wuhan lab. And February 27th, this is all 2020. This is before anybody even knew about the two weeks to slow the spread. It hadn't been you know, done yet. But we knew February 25th, we knew about Wuhan. February 27th, I write a bill saying that this is, uh, this is a farce. This is a hoax. We have the cures. The Congress can only spend half the money on vaccines. The other half of COVID money has to go for early treatments. I already knew the early treatments worked. This is February 27th. And I also said this is most likely a bioweapon. It needs to be looked into on national security grounds. So you can look it up. It's right there on writeyourlaws.com. February 27th, 2020 is right there, writeyourlaws.com. Click on legislation. Click on all proposed laws. Go to February, you know, look on the, 2017, the 2017 bills. It's right there, February 27th. My resolution. Congress had only spent half their money on vaccines, the other half uh, on early treatments. We knew. We broadcast that we knew. March 2nd. You know, I broadcast that bill, and I broadcast that chloroquine cures COVID. March 2nd of 2020. We're still two weeks from 15 days to slow the spread. We've already called this thing a hoax. Fauci was Dr. Fascist. We called him evil. We said the vaccines are not needed because we had a cure. This whole thing is a government farce. We told you from the beginning what was going on. And did you spread the show? No. You let the censors stop us. So you, the listeners, need to talk to all the other listeners that are potentially out there, and they need to talk to other, other listeners. You're three years late. But I'm not changing my story. I never changed my story. I haven't changed my story from day one that this is a government-planned medical holocaust. Haven't wavered from that one bit. And I paid a price for it. The price is the fact they suppressed my show. And they suppressed my bills. And they suppressed my, my Facebook. And they suppressed my Twitter. And they suppressed our Instagram. And they suppressed everything. And you can change that by simply sharing the show and sharing the bills. But until you do, I will be suppressed. Up to you. Back to the article. All of the anger that we all feel about being duped, lied to, meddled with, and stolen from needs to be aimed at the real perpetrators. I already read that. This is how we can mess up their endgame by actually being in this together. Yeah, join with us here at Action Radio. That'd be a good start. She says their tactics are as old and tired as they are. Stop thinking you hate gay people or trans people or black people or white people or kid people or beaver people or pangolin people. Am I a pangolin person with Greg Penglis? Anyway, you likely don't. They are very powerful manipulators. Be in control of yourself. Don't relinquish your power to unintelligent leches. Yeah, I don't know people who hate people. I mean, how do you, how do you hate a group of people? That's irrational. You can't do it. Oh, I'm sure there are, I know there are racist and prejudiced people and things like that out there. The only people that I really know that hate are on the left. That, that's where you'll find hate, especially if you tell them you're conservative. They hate you. Back to the article. There's another darkness here, though, as part two. Puberty blockers are being given to children. Breasts and penises are being cut off of little girls and little boys. Endocrine disruptors are being put into everything from hand sanitizer to water. And too many pills are being put into children following improper diagnosis involving various named mental disorders. In some cases, they are dosed with powerful medications at very, at very young ages, far before their little brains could even be ready to manage them, if ever. The environment of our youth needs to change. That is for sure. If you wanted to make human sterile workers, how would you do it? Think about it. Better yet, think about how to stop it. Embrace the truth that the movement is the enemy, that your anger and action should be aimed at them, not at individuals. Why do you think I have trans people on the show? Am I against trans people? No, I'm against the political movement. I'm against uh, doing this to children. And I stated that very clearly in the first hour. Okay? But a consenting adult who wants to alter themselves, I've got no problem with that. But it's not a civil right. You don't deserve your own group any more than people who get cosmetic surgery do. It's kind of the same thing, only extended even further. 
What's the difference between Botox and cosmetic surgery, you know, when taken to a higher level of, uh, of surgery of, of uh, you know, uh, sex parts and, uh, you know, various uh, hormonal change drugs? They're, they're more extreme, but they're still the same basic thing. You know, if we don't make cos- people have has cosmetic, cosmetic surgery and Botox, folks, a civil rights group, why would you make uh, people who've had uh, trans surgery and trans drugs a civil rights group? These are people who've changed themselves as consenting adults. Okay, that doesn't make you special. It just makes you different, you know, by your own choice. Same thing with people who have tattoos. They'll be like saying, well, people who have tattoos are tattooed trans. They should be treated differently and separately. No, you did that to yourself. It's not my responsibility or anything else. Anyway, article says, please watch Viva Fry's interview with Tulip R. Ritchie for wonderful insight into the real story behind the movement. Yeah, I got to do that. This interview, interview is so perfectly descriptive of what I tried to write and describes uh, there. Well, it's uh, there. All right, let's get to the next. Uh, it's, it's in the article, so I can't you know, do a visual. This is radio. Next part, climate change. <laughs> Let me go back to my, uh, make sure that, uh, I got I to refresh the screen periodically just to make sure it doesn't black out on me. <laughs> okay, there we go. We're back. Climate change. Oh, one of my favorites. The above climate change, and they got another uh, visual there. The climate change thing, uh, sustainable development goals, has no bearing in science or reality. It is a fabrication to enable the end game. The way this will be used against us, likely in early 2024, will be uh, by abusing the new treaty on pandemic prevention power to lock up the world ad infinitum under the guise of some climate catastrophe, likely linked to some deadly pathogen passed to humans via some insect vector like a mosquito. They'll be able to do whatever they want with us since the CBDC, the currency, right, will be in place by then. And maybe if you've used too much carbon, your carbon-based life form, you won't get to eat. Hmm, fun. Treaty on Pandemic Prevention, number four. I am leaving you to go read about this. In their Visitor Center video, they managed to say exactly nothing in one minute and five seconds. <laughs> when a pandemic strikes, everyone is vulnerable. Not necessarily. What would that uh, guy shouted at Louis uh, C.K. from his car window after he got cut off? Something about a bag? It's our responsibility to take action against these predators in every way we can think of. The people standing behind these noble-appearing goals like no poverty and gender equality, are liars. They couldn't care less about any of the 17 goals they laid down or the well-being of people. You can see that in their actions. Stop this treaty by contacting your MPs. Obviously, this is British. MP would be member of parliament. See, the British are Australian. I'm I'm guessing British. Um, And it says your neighbors, your friends, and taking it to the streets like the French or whatever else you can think of. This is the only chance we're going to have. Then we got the next one, central bank digital currencies. Okay, this is what I'll be learning about soon. I'm going to uh, start reporting on this. She says, a practical way I can think of to stop the end game from being realized is to stop the CBDC. Use cash. Insist upon it. I've started using more cash, by the way. Do not give businesses business to stores that only use cashless systems. In fact, I want to write a bill for Florida that uh, no business uh, can do that, that businesses have to accept cash because it's legal tender for all that's public and private. That's the law. They have to accept cash. Any business that doesn't uh, needs to be fined and closed down. So we need to start doing that. So uh, anybody that wants to support, in fact, anybody that wants to write that bill, contact me. Uh, pretty easy to do. Facebook, Greg at writeyourlaws.com. You can email me. Um, or you can just write the bill yourself and go to writeyourlaws.com and post it. Let's see what you got. All you creative people out there. Next part. It says, I'm constantly, th- and we'll talk about climate change before we're done here. She says, I'm constantly thinking about what the hell happened in the past three years and how it happened. I am constant. I know how it happened. I've documented it over three years, three hours a day, every weekday. I'll tell you how it happened. 
Anyway, she says, I'm constantly noticing how everyone's walking around kind of thing, like things are okay, but with this weird nervous air about them, almost like at any moment the sirens will sound and the zombie apocalypse will be upon us. That's what I say about people who drive cars with the windows up with a mask on. You are zombies. You are part of the zombie apocalypse. You've lost your humanity. You've lost your soul. You've lost your brain. You've lost your reason. You've lost the ability to think. Anybody who puts a mask on in a car by themselves with the windows up is an idiot. You're a total moron. You have no understanding of anything. And in fact, the last person that did that to me was going 40 miles an hour in a 55 zone. They couldn't even do the speed limit. So they're a hazard. Drone, get off the damn road. Take your mask off. Breathe fresh air. And uh, you'll be fine. Unless you're not. I mean, there might be other problems. But, uh, you know, <laughs> wearing a mask is not going to help. In fact, uh, just to digress slightly, Robert Malone, Dr. Malone, uh, had an article recently on the oxygen deprivation um, of uh, wearing a mask, you know, the increase in carbon dioxide. So wearing a mask increases your carbon dioxide, deprives you of oxygen. Well, what happens when you're deprived of oxygen? Well, the first thing is your brain doesn't work as well. So you can't think. So anybody who's wearing a mask is even stupider than they are without a mask. Here's another problem. And this is something I, I actually uh, text Robert Malone. Um, so I am in contact with folks that, that have been on the show, Robert Malone, Dr. McCullough. So I text him. I said, wait a minute, Dr. Malone, sir. <laughs> you know, uh, you got a great analysis, but you forgot something. Airplanes. And being a pilot, I know that cabins are pressurized to 8,000 feet. So instead of 22% oxygen, you're getting a partial pressure. You're only getting the equivalent at sea level of 16% oxygen. So when you're flying in an airplane, okay, you're only getting a sea level equivalent of 16% oxygen. You're still getting 22% at 8,000 feet, which is where the cabins are pressurized to. But because 8,000 foot air is thinner than sea level air, you're actually getting less oxygen. You're getting the same percentage of less oxygen. So what it equates to is 16% at sea level. Now take off another couple of percent for the mask, you know, plus, uh, plus some extra CO2, making it even worse. I'm surprised people on, on airplanes didn't just pass out all altogether. Uh, let's add a couple of drinks in there, too. I mean, how many people literally passed out on airplanes, woke up you know, when the plane got to uh, approximately, well, unless you went to Denver, <laughs> you know, unless, you know, or a rather high altitude airport? How many people didn't wake up until the plane landed and they, 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 they depressurized and, uh, excuse me, got sea level pressure? Betcha that happened more than it didn't. Betcha, betcha. Betcha the flight attendants didn't care because passed out customers, excuse me, passengers are a lot easier to handle. Because it passed out. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just asking the questions, folks. Let's go back to the zombie apocalypse. It says that, and the zombie apocalypse will be, apocalypse will be upon us. Yeah. When the apocalypse, zombie apocalypse comes, they'll be wearing masks and sunglasses, and they'll be carrying rifles and batons and baseball bats, and they'll say, we're right, you're not. You know, you're a danger. We have to kill you. And they're going to think they're right for doing so. That's the zombie apocalypse. So I believe now that there's going to be a zombie apocalypse. It's not going to be zombies. It's going to be idiots. It's going to be morons. It's going to be the moron apocalypse. It's going to be the idiocracy apocalypse. That's what I'm more afraid of. Zombies? Nah, don't worry about it. Back to the article. It's an odd feeling, and I really don't like it. Maybe it's just me, and I am still very sensitive to the impositions and entirely unspeakable things uh, that have been done to us in reality over the past three years. These wounds to me are very fresh. The manner in which I have compiled these five things might sound off the rocker, but it makes the most sense to me at this point uh, in a world where nothing makes sense. I would love to read your comments. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know if I can comment unless I have a paid subscriber. Oh, I can comment. It's interesting. I can comment as, a, as, an, as an unpaid subscriber. If I had to pay for all my subscriptions, I'd be broke. I subscribe to a lot of things. So anyway, so I'll talk to you. I'm going to get Jessica on the show. If she's in England or Australia, we've got a Skype line. 
so that's it. Let me talk about climate change for the last few minutes, just because um, that was mentioned in the article, but I want to uh, elaborate here a little bit. So I was just watching a, a One American News report last night with the founder of Greenpeace. The founder of Greenpeace knows that all this climate nonsense is hysterical nonsense. I mean, hysterical in the bad sense of the word. In other words, they're panicking over nothing. So apparently the world uh, is at a dangerously low level of carbon dioxide. And what the best part about listening to this interview last night, it confirmed something that I posited, theorized on the show here, but he confirmed it for me. And this guy's a scientist. You know, this is a real science, right? I had said that I found it interesting that the Industrial Revolution came about at a time when carbon dioxide was, was dangerously low and that the burning of organic fuels, what you folks still call fossil fuels, but you should switch over, the burning of organic fuels releases from the tailpipe and from the machine, from the engine, from the diesel locomotive, from the steamship, from anything that else that uses an internal combustion engine that rose, runs on petroleum-based fuels, releases carbon dioxide and water vapor. Clouds. Carbon dioxide feeds the plants. And what he said was exactly what I was thinking, and now it's been confirmed by real scientists, okay, that carbon dioxide is critical to go into the atmosphere because every bit of petroleum, every bit of oil, every bit of organic material that you get started as carbon dioxide. It started in the air. The plants breathed in the carbon dioxide with water, with photosynthesis, the chlorophyll, the energy of the sun. They created organic matter, lots of it, and then went into the ground and was compressed and buried and heated and treated and done whatever else is done to make it a hydrocarbon you know, make it petroleum, and then it was up to us to burn it. So, the, so I would say this is even uh, intelligent design. So the way God puts uh, carbon dioxide back into the environment is for us to burn organic fuels. So it's actually critical for our survival to burn organic fuels, burn oil, burn gasoline. I'd love to make a bumper sticker. Take a long drive. Save the world. So all you folks that are, that are worried about carbon dioxide, yeah, you should be worried about it because we don't have enough of it. For most of the, of the world's existence, the world was a lot hotter. We're still in an ice age period. The world was a lot hotter and had a whole lot more carbon dioxide. Apparently, the scientist was saying, oh, I'm going to look them up and get more details. But the oceans absorb more gas, more CO2 when they're colder. So the oceans being colder is not a good thing. It's actually better that they're warmer. So more gas will be in the air, more carbon dioxide in the air, more carbon dioxide for plants to breathe, more plants for us to eat and animals to eat. That's the cycle. Plants and animals go into the ground. Usually plants, you know, algae especially, billions upon billions upon billions of tons of algae. You know, all those big algae blooms we get in Florida and, and California. Where do you think that stuff goes? It falls to the bottom of the ocean and becomes oil eventually. We've got 500 years worth of oil in the United States alone. Are you, am I worried about it? No, I'm only going to live another 30 or 40 years maybe. What do I care? 500 years of oil? I want a big fat V8 engine on a, on a Pontiac Firebird, maybe a Trans Am. I haven't decided. I keep changing my mind. And I'm going, to, I'm going to drive the hell out of that thing. After you sponsor Action Radio, of course, Substack.com, gregpanglis.substack.com. Get yourself a $10 a month subscription. Help me out. You know, I mean, obviously, I'm going to pay for the show. <laughs> That's the first priority. But uh, get enough subscriptions and enough sponsors and get some big ones like, I don't know, Glock, Ruger, Smith & Wesson. Look, let's talk about some big companies here. My Patriot Supply, Black Rifle Coffee Company. Hope to get them all. Then I'll buy my, you know, Firebird and hopefully get a jet when I get millions of listeners worldwide. Then the real fun begins. Am I going to burn fossil fuels? You bet. Every opportunity I can, because I'm going to do my part to save the earth. So if you want to say it, in fact, we should get t-shirts on that. You know, burn organic fuels, save the earth. Replace the carbon. 
you got it, folks. You got to get out there and replace the carbon dioxide that the, the plants are absorbing. Now the plants are supposed to absorb it, but it's up to us to come. Oh, there's my 90 second warning. Good timing. It's up to us to replace the carbon dioxide because carbon, we're carbon-based life forms. Organic fuels are like us, hydrocarbons. Carbohydrates, the food you eat, is the same stuff. It's all the same stuff. The only difference between a hydrocarbon, in other words, in an organic fuel, which you call fossil, and the carbohydrates, the food you eat, is oxygen. Well, so it's no accident that if you have a, a, an internal combustion engine, that it breathes oxygen in, mixes it with hydrogen and carbon, and it burns. Well, see, so your, your body takes in oxygen, too. And it takes carbohydrates and burns the calories. What's the difference? It's the same thing. Now, could we say that internal combustion engines are living? It's kind of an interesting thought, isn't it? But they're using living materials. Organic materials were living. So the whole purpose of, of the Industrial Revolution, I believe, and the intelligent design by God was to have us burn organic fuels to replace the carbon dioxide, to perpetuate the carbon cycle so that life continues on Earth. It's just that simple. Buy a big truck. Buy a big car. Buy a big engine. Drive as much as you can. Buy as much gasoline as you can and put that carbon dioxide back in the world to save us. Okay? So who's going to save us? Truckers. <laughs> you know? Uh, RV drivers. Steamship companies, train companies, airplanes, airlines, all those folks that burn organic fuels. That's the future. Put the carbon dioxide back. <laughs> okay, that's enough. I'm done. <laughs> this has been a fun – I'm actually kind of glad I went through that whole article. Finish right on time at 10 o'clock. So I'm gonna, uh, at this point, I'm just going to leave you with our websites, and I'll be back Monday morning, 7 a.m. Central Time, after this rather interesting rant. And I'll have to contact Jessica Rose, see if she'll come on the show from whichever British Commonwealth country she's in. But this is Greg Penglis for Action Radio at blogstockradio.com slash citizen action. Our latest website, writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. Um, we also have our Substack, gregpenglis.substack.com. Our contribution site is uh, givesendgo.com slash action radio. And, of course, you can contribute by getting a paid Substack subscription. You can advertise on the show. You can contribute directly to the show. Uh, we've got all kinds of ways to do it. Look on your broadcast page. All the information is right there. And I'll be back Monday morning, 7 a.m. Central Time. See you then. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.